two, one. Happy New Year! Happy New Postseason, I guess, George. Yeah. That's about the best that I can do with that intro. Absolutely appalling, but still better than anything Matt's ever done on the show. So welcome. Uh, welcome to whatever episode this is as well. 103, perhaps? I can't remember the, the episode number. Uh, is, is that 104? it? 100, 100 and something, anyway. I remember we did episode 103. 103. I just like that it started out that Johnny, the episode, we do the countdown. Johnny says, my trash is showing. Gets up, <laughs> walks, and closes the door to hide the trash. <laughs> I, Whereas, I don't have time to take it out now. We just started. I just looked at my cam, and I saw that little trash there. I don't want to show it for the rest of the episode. Yeah, no. yeah. No, I understand. I understand. Um, Jonathan, you've also got a Disneyland top on at the moment. You you recently yeah. been? Oh, yeah, you went to Disney, didn't you? I think I think Mickey Mouse is a badass. Uh, I I think this is a power play. I think. Okay, his, okay his wait there, wait there. You're gonna have to really cool. you're gonna have to explain that. In what way is a cartoon mouse a badass? What has he done? I just think that's compared badass? to the other characters, you know, like Donald Duck or Goofy or like whatever, I think that Whoa, Mickey Mouse is just dad. like. It's just okay. like uh, Mickey Mouse is just like a, a cool dude. Like he has it figured out. He's the main character. You know, it's like Entourage and he's the main lead. Wouldn't Entourage, Mickey Mouse be right. like. <laughs> wouldn't Mickey Mouse be like the evil corporate conglomerate character? Yes. Like he's like the rich CEO. Yeah. Think about this. You've never seen Goofy movie, have you, Johnny? You haven't seen Goofy movie, okay? True. Goofy, he has to raise his son. By what happened himself. to his wife? What happened to Goofy's uh, partner? I don't. I don't I don't Did he know. murder? Did they get I into think she, the murder. I think she got. I think she got too goofy. I think she got a little too goofy. You know, but like, she was off all the I goof. know, I, I <laughs> all I know is that Goofy's the cool one. And also think about this: like Scrooge McDuck, uh, that guy has like a bunch of. He's he's rich Sorry. too, but also he's got a big family. Goofy that's a six movie point is nine six point nine. What? 6. 9, that's good. Yeah, that's good. For Goofy IMDb, movie's a solid film. Good. It's a There's solid no film. way it's a solid film. I don't Did believe you. Watch this like tonight? Is this like a rewatchable movie for you that you go back and watch time to time? I mean, I would not go back and rewatch it because I've seen it. But like, if you've never seen it and you want something like a lighthearted There's plenty of movies of I've seen, but I think are good enough for me to rewatch them. And you're well, saying I, I, I literally just told you. I literally just told you that I, it's not. I wouldn't rewatch it. I'm just. I'm telling you straight up. I'm not. I would not what, rewatch. That's it. not a vote of confidence. What in does my he get? What does he get? Like, good I, films I that I wouldn't rewatch either. Oh, James the Giant Peach. That's a film that needs to be rewatched by myself. Imagine what a, what a James and the Giant Peach. Film. Imagine James and the Giant Peach being six point seven and the Goofy movie being six point nine. Goofy What's movie wrong with just IMDb? connects with people more. It connects it, maybe with people more. Maybe it just more. connects. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. There's something. I mean, six point seven, six point nine is honestly it's close enough in score. It's essentially the same. That's mm. pretty much the same, really. You could change that depending on the reviewer. Yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah. I, I will love... also say that yeah, before on. we move we move away from this, that uh, Walt Disney, by all accounts, had some pretty terrible worldviews, and I do not in any way like endorse those views i think that's pretty fucking sad uh, and also there were some questionable mickey mouse uh cartoons in the <laughs> yeah. early 1900s I, there were so, questionable cartoons uh, of all descriptions now, now i feel yeah. like this now i feel terrible about buying this sweater that i thought was cool in the first place <laughs> because i realized that it that the foundation is just built on uh, i don't i think racism and uh, i think disney's done enough stuff after that that it doesn't have that association in most people's heads though yeah but it's one of those things where it's like if certain people have something really against disney and like the foundation they were built on i'd be like okay like i get that you know oh, yeah. because of Walt also, Disney and good luck avoiding cartoons. them 
because the Disney Corporation owns everything. Everywhere. It owns yeah. everything. Giant I, I just figured I, I'd leave that footnote there before I say that Mickey Joel? Mouse is awesome and that's that's all. Like there's there's <laughs> it's it's there's a lot of yeah, there's a lot fair. to it. Fair point. Uh, that's fair. That's why I like my thug birds. There's nothing to it. It's just like a cool bird. It's made out of pixels and mm. uh yeah, there's oh, okay. no there's there's no founder NFT or anything. Talk already. Okay, that's <laughs> exactly. I just figured I'd leave that. I you know, I, I like my thug bird, it's probably better than Mickey Mouse, so you know. Here we go. <laughs> okay. Jaws, what have you been up to since we saw you last, huh? Uh, not much existing or trying to. Mm. Um, yeah, it's a harsh world out here, man. I mean, you know, Disneyland's everywhere and uh, Disney stores <laughs> are everywhere. I've been trying to avoid those as much as possible. Right, right. Um, You're kind of mouse-like yeah. yourself, I feel. That is true, yeah. I am uh, about two foot tall, mouse-like. Um, yeah, I mean, what I was going to say to that, really. I mean, my haircut's, but I'm looking pretty mousy right now. I've got not much fucking hair. Yeah, I got a Stuart I Little vibe. I think it looks good on you. Yeah, Stuart Little vibe, yeah. Yeah, I got I've a Stuart Little vibe. Skateboarding down NYC. <laughs> I can't. You know, do you think, what do you think about the kid that got passed over in the orphanage for Stuart Little, right? Like, think about that. Like, that family Terrible. walked What's in. What's he doing now? They he's adopted a mouse. There. I mean, that kid's been, no, he's old enough now. He's through the system, right? He's been gone. I've, asked, I've had this conversation with you before. Stuart Little is a sentient character and as such is yeah. deserving of the same rights as the other humans. But, but, Just but because he's a mouse. The, it's the point of that being a human being being passed up for a mouse. But, but, a if, mouse. but if yeah. the mouse has yeah. a human, you know, has all the capacities of a human, it has the same worth as a human as well. But it's two feet tall. <laughs> so is yeah. Jaws! Well, you, do, you do on the height. <laughs> what do you think? Why do you think mouse on this episode? It's a mouse, and it's a mouse, you know? Like, I don't know. Like, also, the mouse the is day, definitely not two foot like, tall. I bet the kid still had to reconcile that, right? I bet that kid has had to reconcile. It's like, oh, yeah. it's like growing up you in like a bigoted household, essentially, right? Like, you grew, you grew up in a bigoted household, and your parents like informed your worldview with terrible things. But this was this kid, because he was... An atrocity was suffered upon him at by Stuart Little by taking his parents, his supposed parents. It's right? not his parents. In this case. His, his could have been parents. And then now he's had to wrestle with that his whole life. Every time he sees a mouse, he's pissed. He hates mice. But then he's had to work through that over, mm. over the years. I okay. Imagine. All right. Well, th there was some Overwatch that was played this week and some cool news that happened in the Overwatch world as well. So we should Irrelevant. probably pivot back into that too. Uh, Jaws, you're done with the league for the year, so I'm going to rely on you for all of the spice, aren't you? Didn't you say that you had your last cast of the year or something? Yeah, no, I said, yeah, quite a while ago. Like, hold, yes. like what? The yeah, hell? but I don't think we've <laughs> had you on since then. My point is that yeah. you've you've broken the shackles and you can start shit talking as <laughs> much as you like now. You know you're headed to Fortnite actually? next year. Yeah, the, the, yeah, oh, dude, oh, don't worry. I'm going to get into that one. Every time this happens, when someone puts out like, a, oh, you know, I'm done casting for the year, whatever. This is any league too, by the way. It's not just like Overwatch League, uh, any cast that's like, oh, I'm freelance now. People just come in either on their tweets or like, into their streams. So, um, you gonna spill the juice? Uh, what's up with Josh's hairline? Is that fake? Is that like, you know what I mean? Like, people come in expecting me to drop literally everything. Mitch's social security number. It's like I've got it on hand. People want me to drop every kind of juice. It's, it's insane. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, the big news that you didn't you didn't drop this juice, Jaws, but uh, the juice was dropped anyway by John Spector and by a yeah. bunch of other reporters as well, saying that the Overwatch. 2022 season is going to begin in April, or at least it's scheduled to begin in April, on an early build of Overwatch 2. That is some big fucking news, especially when a lot of the stuff within the scene was a lack of, like, some weird communication that had ended with journalists getting the idea from people inside Overwatch League that 
there wasn't going to be there was going to be like a really long off season or something and the, the things were going to get pushed back massively so in some weird way this communication got mangled and instead we've ended with a astoundingly more positive message for 2022 than i was anticipating i feel like a lot of that started with like a tin foil hatter just like sitting in the corner you know um charlie from always sunny that meme of him Oh, what's it called? Oh, Pepe yeah. Sylvia. Yes. Yeah, Pepe, Pepe Sylvia. He's in the office. Pepe and he's Sylvia. Like pointing and he's like yeah. going crazy because he's working in a post office trying to work out who Pepe Sylvia is. And uh, I reckon it was started by someone like that. Just like, oh my God. Okay, so Overwatch 2, this date. And then uh, Overwatch League, what happens to that? Well, maybe it gets delayed. What, t- what date does Overwatch 2 come out? They haven't actually said yet. And then like connecting all these fucking dots, putting their tinfoil hats on to make sure John Spector can't read their mind, you know? like, <laughs> I, And then it just kind of got out of hand. Uh, in, at least in my head, that's kind of what it started from because that's that's really how rumors start at the end of the day we didn't really have any concrete information speculation was the only thing there and then this like official leak came out although you could say the opposite as well it did the league say this in response to those to try and quiet these rumors down or is this well, been in defi- the work well for a while? let's start there though because i feel like yeah. that was a lot of people's assumption is just that the yeah. league has like tried to rubber neck and have immediately gone back to um oh no we, we've got to start it early let's push out an early build mate there is no fucking chance that an early build of overwatch 2 could be whipped up that there's no way that the overwatch league could go to the developer team and be like pretty pretty please we are in a lot of shit could you make an early build for april like that's 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 on the devs on their cycle on their schedule the overwatch league is is secondary to whatever's going on there so there's no chance in my head that this was reactionary. This was I, probably I, I, always something that was attempting to be done. And it's a bit like the playoffs where you've got a goal in mind, but you don't know whether you're really going to hit it because of all the logistics involved. And so you can't announce it. Yeah, I think I think the the, the main rumor that like, oh, we're going to skip an entire season or whatever. I don't know if there was anything ever to that, but I could see someone like spreading that rumor. And like Joel said, like, uh, ex- uh, exaggerating that rumor because it was like one of like 10 possibilities at the start of the year okay we're just coming off like covid in 2020 and then we had the delta variant in like 2021 um overwatch 2 like i i have no freaking idea about like the development um roadmap for that game when was it supposed to be out in the first place did they ever like delay it was it ever going to come out in like 2023 like i don't know they're developing a game at the same time that covid is going on and if you're running a league, you probably have like five, eight different scenarios. And at some point, like maybe one of those scenarios just like got out and then someone like, okay, well, uh, that that might be one of the options. And then we're just going to exaggerate with that, which means this, like Joel said, and it just gets out of hand. So, uh, you know, th- there were probably like multiple different scenarios on the table at the start of 2021. Now we're nine months into the year. They figured out shit as we go, um, you know, COVID, how the game developers work from home, um, you know, how can you run events with a global league, et cetera, all of those things. Um, and uh, by all accounts, this is a very reasonable, great thing for the Overwatch League. We finally get some Overwatch 2, which it sounded like all the owners wanted um, and I, they probably asked for and voted heavily in favor of that. Um, and we got a season coming up on April, which, you know, there's no COVID will probably at that point be less of an issue when it comes to starting a league on time. And it works out great with an earlier version of Overwatch 2. So 
Uh, I don't think this was ever like the one and only scenario in which next year's Overwatch League was scheduled to happen and how it was supposed to be. But they reached this conclusion and that's all that matters, ultimately. Like all the other scenarios are on the window. One of them maybe was delaying the league for, you know, six months or whatever. I'd also like to put this one in front of you as well. They say Overwatch League 2022 is going to happen in uh, in April, but it's very possible that they have a different format in mind for it. If you're going into Overwatch yeah. 2, you could change the format significantly. It doesn't necessarily have to even be a regular season format anymore. If you wanted to make it so the stages were open tournaments instead or something like that, you could. And so... The idea in people's heads is now the regular season begins April 1st or whatever, but there could just be a series of independent events being run on Overwatch 2, and then the actual, like, regular season portion might kick off four months in or something. And so then, yeah, you have had a really long break between the regular seasons, but it was filled with Overwatch League 2022 events before then. There's, there's various different ways that both of those ideas might be meshed so that there's a hint of truth to both of them. There's still, like, there's still ways in which both of those angles might have some measure of validity. Yeah. I think it's important, too, to have a, a W, essentially. A big, <laughs> fat dub yes. in one respect. Because... God you know, looking back, and we saw out. the numbers, seeing the numbers, too, because, like, I feel like we've always been trying to be very balanced here on the show, and I, myself, have tried to be balanced in the fact that, like, yeah, shit's not always hunky-dory over at Overwatch land. That's kind of, like, a truth. But also, there's a lot of people that are, as, as some people, as some rappers would say, praying on the downfall, right? They're praying <laughs> on the downfall a little bit. And it's crazy when you see the released numbers for Overwatch League this year how it actually performed pretty well, numbers-wise, legitimately. Like, the number, when you, would, yeah. when you would hear how people talk about Overwatch and Overwatch League, you would think there'd be a game that's getting, like, Rainbow Six-level viewers or less, you know, like 20, 30K, like, for a franchise league system, which is pretty bad, right? Well, actually, Rainbow Six actually has higher viewers depending on the match. But, like, still, like, you would expect it to be, like, in a range where you thought it was abysmal, but it's like, oh, we've been hovering, like, 80, 100 on YouTube, like, the whole season. That's pretty good, honestly, for a YouTube move. Honestly, that's sure. not bad for the when yeah. we look at our when we look at our 2020 to 2021 growth. We'll dig into and, this later as well. Yeah, we should. Okay, we're gonna talk about this. But either yeah. way, it's good to have. I think the important part though is a lot of this is like a PR perspective, and it's the miasma of like bad news, and essentially it's being dispelled. And overall, I think it's really good that it's gonna be on Overwatch too. I have heard some concerns from people being like, "Oh, what if it's like so beta that we run into." game breaking bugs yeah and i'm like well one i find that ridiculously unlikely that yeah. we're gonna be at a, at a, we're gonna have a pop because especially when you hear some of the back end news of like the development of overwatch 2 how they like they felt like the kind of the supposed rumors and thoughts about it right now are like they feature locked right supposedly was the rumors like okay we have feature locked like everything like we can't add anything else like this is the end and m apparently according to certain leakers that like the PvP element is potentially finished, right? But it's the PvE element that's unfinished, right? So which it would, would make mean sense that, like, you know, well. head, which would make sense, right? Because like the PvP element is the most forward-facing one, and then PvE is like the addition to Overwatch 2. Um, and so I feel like the league more than likely under these circumstances, they would have a finished product. It's just the rest of Overwatch 2 is not finished, right? Which well. is fine for the league standards. And then so I mean there's a lot of reasons. And then even if that's all cool, even if we were given like a buggy mess it would have to be so ridiculously unplayable for it not to be a net positive still right because at the end of the day the league just needs to have overwatch too 
Well, yeah, I just thought. Let, no, I go on. Let's consider what the beta for Overwatch 1 looked like, which was six months before its release. It released in November 2015. Sure, it didn't have features like a kill feed or like specific icons and, and whatever. The HUD looked pretty bad. But at its basic level, the game, as far as I can remember, was not filled with bugs in the beta. It actually, from a gameplay perspective, worked extraordinarily well. And if Ro you Rodog hook was a feature, yeah, it had hook 1.0. So, yeah. It had hook 1.0, but <laughs> was that a bug? I'm not exactly sure that was a bug back then. I think what? that was kind of how they wanted it to work originally. Yeah, one thing Blizzard do very well. If you look at across titles, you could argue this for World of Warcraft because uh, they do repair a lot of their systems. Obviously, Johnny will know all about that. But like, they do release finished products. Like, they're not as buggy as some other games that release. Like, look at Cyberpunk, for example, on release. Like. A mountain of hilarious bugs. Although, pretty good game. I did finish it, encountered a shit ton of bugs, but it was fun. But Blizzard games in general, they will really they will release in beta almost the physical product. Yeah, those little sprinklings of um no kill feed and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, that was missing, but they already have Overwatch One to kind of build off of anyway, in the in a sense. And this looks like my game all play. these things. Oh, look one, at the Bastion Shield, HP by the way. Uh, 150 HP is oh in, in the Bastion Shield. Yeah. That's cool. So, like, I, I, okay, I, I literally thought, I literally thought that this was Overwatch 2 for a second because I looked no. at the ultimate charge yeah, and the portrait, and I was like, "What is this UI? It looks is this Overwatch 2?" And then I was like, <laughs> "What is going on he's here?" Getting so. no passive ult charge either. Just God. Oh yeah, it is just um, crazy. Yeah. So yeah, I don't think that you might have a few bugs here and there, but generally, Blizzard released very, very polished yeah. products. I mean, I I guess the only like counterpoint would be like Warcraft Three Reforged, but that's a very different team. It's a different scenario, you know. It, when it comes to competitive integrity, that's where I agree with you. Like these competitive titles that Blizzard bring out, for the most part, like they're very polished in that regard. And we we probably had some bugs. I can't even remember in the beta, but that just means that they weren't memorable enough to begin with. So I don't think we'll have that problem with the Wars Two. There's going to be pauses inevitably, oh. though. There's going to be pauses. Oh my god, this Senyata Look at the fast. Oh, no way! Jesus just hit a three-man. First three-man shatter to ever exist. <laughs> there it is, the first clip. There are going to be some bugs, though. Like, I'm not saying a lot, but there maybe be like a couple, a few instances where a match is paused because something sure. happened. That was something I mean, Echo cool. will still be in but... the game, so I think that's a bit of a bug, yeah. <laughs> Reworked, though. Reworked, though. Reworked, true. There's still, like, I think... We're, we're, people are gonna freak out at the start of the season when that inevitably happens but we had like entire time until then we have to acknowledge that overwatch 2 early is infinitely better than the other option which is just staying on overwatch 1 for yeah an entire season because half a season that's not even a fucking discussion mate like we're not gonna play yeah. overwatch 1 for half a season and then overwatch and then, 2 and for then every, the other every team cuts a player puts him on the bench i mean what yeah. is that no. that's that's not a feasible solution is it the other thing yeah. as well that is not a feasible solution i don't think people understand how youtube channels work in that overwatch league has signed a partnership with youtube right they have to they have to invest from their side as well it's not just a one-way partnership Oh, if you if you left a ten month off season without regular content, your channel would not be recommended to anybody. When you booted the league back up again, the off season is already going to be long. What is it like six months or something? Six months ago. That's yeah. already an astounding amount of time to try and keep a YouTube channel on life support without your regular content. The algorithm yeah. is going to hate you by the end of it. So they're going to have to be fucking working their asses off in those six months just to keep the channel alive, and then they're going to have to go back in. If that was ten months, I mean, it's GG. Put a 
fucking gravestone on it. Your channel's not getting out of out of that kind of situation. It's very yeah. rare that you're able to keep the the numbers at the uh, same kind of level if you're not pumping out content. That's why everyone releases YouTube content on a schedule because the algorithm recommends content when it's when it's viewed more. It knows what you're doing. Your viewers get it more. It's you, you I need also some think kind there of regularity. Some things to. Uh help kickstart the early version of the Overwatch 2 and the Overwatch League 2. Like, you don't have to introduce all of the Overwatch 2 maps at once at the start of the season. And you don't you don't even have to introduce all of the heroes that are coming with Overwatch 2. Because supposedly, like, they're going to drop, like, what? Six, ten, something? People what, have done have the they ever said that? Like, or was that I, us I, people, are, people are assuming so because they haven't released a hero for, like, mm. what is it since Echo? And so they're like, well, we get a hero every three months, which means that there's probably, like, four or five that will be coming with Overwatch 2 because it's been that long since right. the last... They might release ever. it with... um. Oh, what's that new DPS? Sojourn. She has like an LG. Sojourn? Sojourn. That's a railgun yeah. though, kind of, right? Yeah, it's like a railgun kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, like, I could see them... I can, I can imagine them maybe just releasing... Yeah, 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 just releasing uh, her... But I don't it's think they'll do it with like but, all five, six, you know. No. I don't think it's going to look like no. the finished full amount of content immediately exactly and that's what i'm saying like i i think that's pretty reasonable as well like if we say for, for argument's sake let's say we have the same format next year as we have this year so we're like four stages or whatever and i don't even know when overwatch 2 is going to get released i just know we're getting an early version first stage of overwatch 2 next season just bring in like one or two of the Overwatch 2 maps, if there are any coming. I don't, I don't know, by the way. And bring in one or two heroes, because otherwise what's going to happen is you'll introduce too many heroes anyway, and it's going to throw the entire like competitive integrity out the window because no one knows how these heroes work. Limited practice time on them. Um, and it's just going to be an absolute mess. So, like, you know, hype up the release of Overwatch 2, get maybe one new hero that's fun to watch. Um, I don't know what the playable Overwatch 2 beta alpha version situation will look like but then you can like gradually introduce a wars 2 rather than like the entire game has to be uh, like viable for players to play at uh, at the start of the thing like we already have a wars one maps that are really good um i guess we'll have a push map because sure. this is like the last yeah, yeah. season of assault right so um so, so yeah you don't have to have overwatch 2 finished the entire competitive pvp side you can sort of like just play Overwatch 1 on the Overwatch 2 engine and maybe like add a hero or something. And I think we'd, we'd be fine with that for start. And then, you know, unlock it over time. Well, here's a question to you all then. There's a lot of Doomer Gloomer stuff that sells extremely well around Overwatch, right? If, you, if, you're trying to, if you're trying to be a little Copium Carl, you ain't getting any viewers. If you're being a Doomer Daniel, you are getting all of them. So what I'm thinking is, Overwatch 2, especially with how much the Overwatch player base has been split between casual and competitive, if the, com if the casual people on r slash Overwatch, for example, see that the pros are playing on Overwatch 2, do you think there'll be any lashback from that in terms of why, why, do, the, why do the good players get access to the game Absolutely. earlier? What's, what's going on there? That kind of thing. It's already happened. Yeah, it's I already mean, happened. people are already, already going to be pissed. I mean, oh, why don't we get it? Like, hang on a second, the main player base, the casuals, why are we getting it? But it's like, well, we have to think of the league as well. To be fair, that is a valid compare. That is still a valid point, I think, actually, from a casual perspective, which is also a greater part of the audience. It is a little weird to think about, like, they are not going to be getting access to it, too. It's also strange yeah. because it's currently, there doesn't seem like there's a plan necessarily to have, like, streamers release it, because that's, like, 
even though that pisses off casual players too, when you get like sort of like the Valorant release, right? Where like yeah. all the streamers got early and everyone, all the Timmies were like, drops, 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 drops <laughs> for like fucking three weeks straight. Like everyone was like, where, like, and everyone was pissed about that. Like there hasn't been any news about that being part of the Overwatch 2 release at all. It's just yeah. the league gets this early version first, which is kind we of are, a divergence from the standards. We are a long way out, though. We are a long we don't know, way out. We don't out. know, right? But I, we're just based off our current information, right? So I do think there is actually legitimate complaints with that. Be like that is I can understand if you were a casual player, like why you'd be upset. But I also find it really interesting, and just in the perspective of current philosophies of game like design, and specifically within our Blizzard Activision ecosystem of like or Activision Blizzard ecosystem of like. We haven't really prioritized competitive titles as receiving these things first, right? Especially not as like marketing tools. Um, so it is a little strange to see this as like the the bent going into the league next year is that the league is getting Overwatch too, which I'm yeah. all for it. I think it'll be really cool. And also, as in opposition to Johnny's point, I really feel like it shouldn't be like a drip feed. I think it should just be the initial thing on release because that's when you get everyone fucking pumped. Like, if it's, like, a drip feed, I feel like it's going to be, like, people will be excited, but it's not going to be the same. But if it's, like, oh, we have Overwatch 2, PvP, it's done. Six it's new finished. heroes. The Six heroes seven. are here. Yeah. People will people will shit and, and fart and piss and come and do everything. <laughs> crazy. They'll, like, they'll, they'll blow themselves out from every orifice, like, just to, like, go watch that stream. Well, that's I what I was like going to ask you. I was going to ask, is it going to be an effective marketing strategy? Because on the one hand, if you do something like this and you've... You, position yourself as a casual player watching overwatch League. first of all are people going to tune in are people even aware of it enough to know of, that it exists as a marketing tool it's not if we assume it's not being given to other streamers and it's only on overwatch league are people gonna tune in and get hyped about it secondly do you think that the game will be different enough from a pvp perspective to get people excited or are they gonna tune in and go well this looks pretty much the same and then just tune out again what what's your thought process on how it will actually work as a marketing tool for the game, generating excitement? It depends how they end up going around it because they honestly could do a Valorant esque launch as well. Because on YouTube, they you can connect your account. And you that's how you get the tokens drops and stuff. So yeah. that functionality for a drop is already there. So maybe with however they do the format next year, they release like keys in which you can play. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, keys for the single player aspect would be a bit weird so like maybe just keys for the multiplayer aspect that would be like oh you get to play this weekend you watch some of the events you watch overwatch 2 gameplay maybe you get a code you i know think what they I mean? did something like that for cdl actually because they oh, announced they, a yes, new cdl game and yes, then they, they have did. the playoffs or whatever uh yeah the vanguard it's vanguard you, and they're doing the whole yeah if you went that. to the event you got a key like guaranteed but if you watched you actually got a, you had a chance of getting a code so they could end up doing that so actually there's recent history from the blizzard side actually that have already done that so sure. maybe that would be a better marketing tool than just saying like oh, okay, we're going to run the tournament and the pros are going to play the game and you're going to, you know, if you want to see the game, here's, here's the tournament you watch. Yeah. Because it gives people more of an incentive because people are going to, it'll be exactly like the Varian thing, right? Drops, 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 give me drops. Hello, streamer, streamer. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> Can you give me a key, please? Just me, been watching here for 30 hours, please. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, go on, John. Yeah. No, I was just going to say that, like, I mean, I, I don't know if it's going to be good for hype or bad for hype. It kind of it depends on the release date, right? Like you, yeah, that is it, true. Well, like we all know, and the numbers back it up, that in general, the first stage of every season is like the most hype and one of the most yeah. viewed stages, right? So, 
if you're doing it from a marketing perspective as well, you'd kind of want the Overwatch 2 release to probably be around stage one um, earlier on. But if that's not possible because of the development of the game, then I, I think maybe it'll backfire somewhat from a marketing perspective if you release it in quote unquote our summer showdown or whatever. Um, I mean, I think that's just numbers though, right? Um, as for like how the game will be different, um, I mean, hard to say. Like, I, I really don't know. So if you feel strongly about this, like, I, I don't know how a viewer looking at Overwatch 2 will feel compared to someone watching Overwatch 1. I mean, obviously, there'll be one yeah. less tank, right? So if you're a tank fan, you'll be like, oh, I'm missing, you know, my two tanks, and maybe they'll, like, push you down this downward spiral where you're like, hey, this is not the same game that I fell Don't in love with. you want to tell us, Johnny, or... What? Something you want to tell us? No tank and you being a little bit pissed, maybe? A little more? No, no. I mean, I've very openly been in favor of 5v5 for a long time. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of like having the full responsibility of being the sole tank. And then the team lives and dies by me. Most of the time it dies by me. But I think that, you know, Overwatch 2, I think it will be a very, like, high pace because there's two DPS, right? And there's less shields and stuff like that. Yeah. I think for a stream and, like, uh, a league, I think it will be a very high, pe high pace fun to watch, uh, very action-packed. You've got to anticipate as well, will to that. the meta will not have developed by that point, right? Because one of the big worries, I think, from the league side would be, oh, shit, what if we get a really bad meta? We launch Overwatch 2, <laughs> first stage, and it's like... Double ev turret. Everyone's Bastion just playing... Yeah, everyone's playing Orissa Bastion everywhere, <laughs> every map. Like, that would be <laughs> awful, but... Because the game is so new, it's very likely that people will be playing a huge variety of different comps. That's at least how I would anticipate it going. Because normally at the beginning of a year, the, the meta's pretty open. And at the beginning of a game, the meta's really open. The two should come together and make it yeah, more I mean, interesting the than you'd expect. With single tank, would probably be something like a Bastion, Torbjorn kind of thing, right? And people in chat are like, Omega LOL, Pirate yeah. Ship, Torbjorn, Bastion, like, haha. And the best version is like literally any other option where you're seeing like Genji, Widowmaker, Farah, what what have you. There's probably inevitably going to be one hero that gets reworked and it's just like super busted and pros are like, how did this get into the game? There's going oh. to be one of those heroes. So I'm just praying that it's like one of those very mechanically intense ones that is very fun to watch highlights of. Okay. Yeah, uh, I mean, I just don't think also we have any knowledge to talk about this, right? Until we actually, we have no idea what the game's going to look like because the, yeah. the heroes are all being reworked, right? Look, and man, the listeners like, love the speculation. No one, the no, I mean, speculation. like, We're doing it for the listeners. I mean, the game could, I mean, I don't fuck, it could be Rats Instigate upon release. I have no fucking clue how it's going to work. <laughs> like, I don't know how, I don't know how they're going to balance like any of these heroes realistically because at a basic game design level, I would never really think about it. It never in a million years, like, if it, if it somehow was a Bastion Orisa meta upon, like, the Overwatch 2 beta for Overwatch 2, I would be shocked that somehow we managed to get to that point. Because if, because just on a game design level, you think, like, how would it even be possible to play static on the cart when you're getting shot from every angle because you have no shields, right? This would require such an incredible level of fuckery that I can't even comprehend, <laughs> like, how that would how that even occur. Bastion personal meta. shield coming back. Maybe, maybe get the Bastion personal shield. And also, I think something we haven't talked about, too, about Overwatch 2, is that how, what does this mean for, I don't know if you were going to bring this up, Josh, but what does this mean for players, right? Because a lot of people have raised concerns for, on, like, the professional side, and also semi-pro, like, when we cool. look at contenders. Like, does this mean existing overwatch league players that are under contract heading to next year are going to be given access to overwatch 2 before everyone else 
Is that what that means? And also, what does that mean for a contenders player? How are you supposed to compete for spots for Overwatch 2 and somehow earn your spot to League next year when all the existing Overwatch League players are giving access to a game and you're not, right? Like, how is that going to work? How does that work for, for anything? I would imagine that the OPR, the, like, actual, what's it called? The official... What is it even the called? The test realm? No, no, the, the tournament realm. Oh, the but it's called OPR it's like for some reason. offline practice realm. Sure, I offline believe. practice realm. Let's go with that. Let's assume that that's... I think it's something like that. Let's I think it's something like that. that. I can't Why remember. would it be offline? Surely it's official it's not, practice it's not, realm. It's not, a live, it's not a live server. It's not like publicly accessible. Okay, you know? okay. Like, all right. Well, yeah. whatever it stands for. I would assume that that at some point would get ported to Overwatch 2, right? And so you can only play if you are if you already are on a team and have access to it. But I would assume that that would only kick off <clears throat> a couple of weeks before the season or something, rather than it being way in advance, which does... I mean, either way you slice it, it's either going to be really difficult for teams to scout properly and build their teams, or it's going to be advantageous for people who are currently in the league. And so you're not really going to get that like contenders-level talent in. Frankly, though... After a couple of years, people are going to be coming up through the pipe chain way faster because of Overwatch 2 than they would have done if we'd stuck to Overwatch 1. If you're in contenders right now, your chances of getting into the league are way harder than when everything's getting reshuffled for Overwatch 2. You might just have to wait another year before you get in. So even though it gets pushed back, I think it does become easier to get through the path to pro if a lot of the existing players are also struggling with adjusting to the new game. I also think people are overestimating how big the change it is, which might sound ludicrous, like when you say that you're removing one entire player, but most rosters, I mean, they're they're set in stone by like January, February, whatever, right? Like around that time. They're usually set in stone and people are done building their rosters. And I think, honestly, if the teams just get given like a month on the OPR, I think that's plenty of time to recognize what's good and what's bad and what kind of play style shift you have to figure out maybe not enough to figure out an entirely new game mode like push that will probably take some time to reiterate strategize positioning new maps etc but i think when it comes to how players think about 5v5 versus 6v6 i i think a month on practice realm is like plenty to figure out how to, how to facilitate your dps players how to funnel um the resources into your tank and how to adapt in that regard so if if you give one month of practice to uh overwatch league players i don't think that's too much of an advantage to really be upset about yes of course it's unfair but i don't think it's the biggest deal of the world this also assumes your question assumes of us that the that there will be a roster lock before april if it does, if it if it has the same kind of format as I was saying, where it's like kind of one-off stage finals-esque sure. events before you head into a league, they could do like 30-day rotating contracts from April through May or something like that. So the first two months of the year, you're seeing very mixed up rosters, just temporary stuff. And then there's like a roster lock that comes in place for the regular season portion after these two tournaments that are like the Overwatch League 2022 kickoff tournament or something. I don't know. But there's a lot of different ways that you could approach the format that wouldn't have the same draconian roster is locked, roster is unlocked. Um, uh, that would be quite exciting normal, too. Normally had. Seeing, seeing loads of these almost, I wouldn't call them pickup teams, but on the 30-day rotating contracts and players flipping from one team to the next, you know what I mean? Like that would actually be quite quite entertaining to watch from like an overwatch league viewer standpoint as well yeah we'll fit, you know we might see color hex on shock like you know i don't know i think Anything it'd be pants shitting as a player 
but I think it would be entertaining oh, as, a, as a viewer. Yeah, I'd be very scared if I was a player in that time for sure. But like as a as a viewer, just as a viewer, I think it's quite entertaining in some regards. Definitely some logistical issues there from the player side still, and yeah. even potentially from the org side. I mean, depending on how orgs want to approach this, right? Because like, do you want to have like a constantly rotating roster for two months? Because there's also like the the aspect of like your staff and like GM and coaching and stuff running the team. Are you gonna fucking rotate out your roster once every month? Yeah, yeah. You know, like that sounds that's just wild. That's ludicrous. On top of the fact that well, players want to go for that. So, you know, there's a lot of there's just a lot of like how is it gonna yeah, work? Definitely, definitely to that. Let's let's talk about the off season though, because the off season was previously discussed as being what ten months or something. People were talking about it being incredibly long amounts of time, and now we do have a definitive size for the off season. It's six months. At the beginning of the con the kind of construction of the league, a long off season was was designed to give all the players a break to let them refresh themselves mentally, that kind of stuff. Gives them some off time. What? What is your thought process now on the off-season length? Because I am definitely of the opinion that it is too long, and I would rather see a more spread-out season with more gaps between the stages rather than have this six-month period of downtime where there's just dick all happening, essentially. I... I've asked, I just like know that you're very heated about this. So I do. I, I I do I have a very heated... Am I very? Have I been heated about this topic before? I'm not sure. I mean, I, I definitely agree that the off season is too long. like the off season is too long. It's it's too long. And also it's it's kind of like a we're kind of taking a flesh we're we're doing like a we're doing like a Silence of the Lambs like Hannibal Lecter face mask peel of another person like a, of like an MLB or like a NFL and put it onto esports with this off season essentially. Because this is not how digital esport like competition like and also how viewership is works in online spaces and how like algorithms for the youtube channel and stuff like that work now like we it's it's designed to have constant content right it doesn't have to be 24 7 obviously that's what algorithms prefer but it doesn't have to be constant content it's just like constant content in terms of that it's going on for a while and there's not huge breaks in between sure, the content, consistency right? consistency and that's where you get your fan base and people can continue to tune in because there's always something happening there's at least something going on at some point but if you have giant six month off seasons it just kills everything and it just makes the momentum. You essentially have to start your momentum back up from like zero for where you're at. Like obviously you're still working from above zero because of where you're standing was at before that. But like it 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 feels to me that it's far too long for everybody. And um and so I'm okay with there being an off season, but it definitely needs to be split, like you said, Josh, into just more breaks throughout the season and a much less and a lot shorter like actual off season. And I also feel like hopefully during the six month off season there's going to be events still that happen you know like something that goes on during the six months that doesn't mean it's just six months again because last because we just had a six month off season the 2021 <laughs> season and was it, it six months oh, it was it was six months it was, it was like a six long months. time yeah. it because was the thing dreadful, about this, we started we started didn't we start this year in it was like either february or march right and we ended a month earlier last year too so we essentially all we did was just push the timeline back like a month we're ending later a month and starting later a month it's still six months this um, this off season was i mean it felt like fucking forever also because a lot of the rosters got finalized relatively early on and then there was just you were staring at months of nothing happening just you, you didn't even have the interesting off season rumors and moves and stuff like that people 
this season at least. I think they locked their rosters by like January time or something. Yeah, the they? most of the rosters were like relatively re- pretty set, except for obviously like then the Valiant roster happened. But that yeah. is the good news about this offseason with Overwatch 2 is that theoretically the roster moves could be going on until like right up to the, the close date because who knows what the hell is going to be going on cool. with that. And like, But also some rosters will be decided potentially very early because maybe GMs just want to be like, I'm locking down these players. Don't know what the fuck's happening. Just going to get these players and we're going to see what happens, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. So there's no real way to like anticipate it accurately or unless you just want to wait for more info. So I don't know. Six months off season is too long. I'd be okay with like a three month off season. And then you take the other three months and you just spread them out like in longer breaks throughout the year. Yeah, or I mean, these like, guys or maybe are even like a two month. Like, know? what are they going to do? Like, take half a semester of college, like in the off season? Like, what are they going to do? They're still gamers. They're still going to play ranked. They're just waiting yeah. for the season to come around. And as you mentioned as well earlier, like, it's actually like kind of underrated a big problem that teams like Shanghai Dragons and Dallas Fuel get so exhausted in the middle of the season that they almost like are forced to play and practice less because they're just like so tired of playing so many games and having to travel and participate in so many playoffs matches. And at the same time, we have a six month off season. So I definitely agree with you that you should probably lengthen the season, not by adding games or adding stages, although that could be a possibility, but just like allowing the players more breaks. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't want to be in the scenario where and we actually had this a couple of times, I think, where a team played like once, one time in one month, which is like not fun if you're a fan of that team and you're just waiting for your team for an entire month to play. But there needs to be a solution where players don't burn out because the season is so heated and so compact, but they're also just waiting for six months to for the next season to come around. I kind of like the idea of like a three, four month off season or just have like, you know, a six month regular season like we have now and add some stuff like some tournaments, you know, for three months, maybe December, January, February, whatever. Teams to like trial, test their rosters, see what's going on, like put some serious prize pool, maybe a trophy on the line to make people care about it. But have something to fill the time because just like it, Overwatch is not going to be fine competitively as an esport by having a six month off season. Um, and at the same time, you need to bring some legitimacy two off-season tournaments like we haven't had before because otherwise the esport is just like not gonna thrive like that's mm. just how it is the yeah, you you go look on, at sorry, no, go on josh um, uh, jaws fuck me I'm looking <laughs> in the mirror. another own. little british people lad i'm looking at there um you you compare it to other esports you look at league of legends for example they have their different splits but then they also have the their mid-season invitational, MSI, and then they have Worlds at the very end of the year. Like, it's a big, like, okay, we have the splits, then we have these cool international tournaments, and then we go back to the splits, and then this big, massive crescendo at the very which end, which is great. the Worlds, you know, World Championship. We're going to fucking go. And you look at how long that's been going as well and how hype it is every time it comes around. And, like, that, I think, is a very it's like consistent right it's like super consistent there's always something on like and if you only watch the internationals you're not only waiting for worlds at the end of the year you're looking at msi and you're looking at these other small events that happen obviously that's changed with covid and whatnot and uh, but when at least when i was casting like way back when you had some of them with like iem as well like i, yeah, yeah. I think i i cast iem paris like a long 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 time ago but that was like a few teams that would never play against each other. And it was exciting for both sides of uh, the fan base and the 
Spanish scene and the uh, the English scene, the French scene and whatnot coming together and clashing off against each other. And then you have MSI, which is exactly the same thing, but with like the Chinese teams and the Korean teams. And there's always stuff that's happening. And that's where I think Overwatch will take a dip and take a massive hit is because like you said, with the algorithm and just like the YouTube channel, what is going to go on there? Is it going to be you log on to the you go on to the, the YouTube channel? It's like our last video fucking casters to masters six <laughs> months ago. You know what I mean? Like, well, the, that, the, that's that will suck. They'll have to. Post I mean, that could be an ongoing series, to be fair, because you haven't you're never going to fucking make it. So, no, we're you know not. What? We're never going <laughs> to make it <laughs> straight through the off season. It's just casters to masters every single week. The the biggest counterpoint, though, to saying that the off season doesn't like does directly hurt viewership is the fact that we always begin the year with that huge spike of interest because people have been yeah. waiting around forever. Now, sure. I'm sure because we've always done it that way. We've never looked at an alternative that could have produced even better results. So it's, it is a fallacy to look at just that spike and say, hey, it's working, because you, haven't, you have no control to compare it to. But the viewership... It's a bit like insulin, you know? Like, just because you haven't had any sugar in the day, just spiking yourself with, like, orange juice at the, <laughs> way, yeah, at the evening. Like, yeah, I'm having all my dose of sugar at the evening. That, that's great for my body. That's good for my health. Yeah. You know, it's the same shit. Like, no, it just consistently throughout the year take care of it make sure it's healthy you know everything's all right well let's let's take a look though at the viewership stuff because Zavas brought it up earlier and it was a report from well i say a report i think it was an article by forbes but it uses the overwatch league's own reported viewership so it's less of a it's less of a report and more of a um a pr campaign from the league honestly which is that the overwatch league 2021 viewership increased massively compared to the 2020 season um, and this is by Chris Holt as well. This graphic is from the Overwatch League as well. Um, and it's basically looking at AMA. If you're unfamiliar with AMA, it's average viewers. You calculate it by looking at overall watch time divided by overall broadcast time. Um, or right, like watch hours divided by hours broadcast. But essentially what it's calculating is the, the average uh, viewers uh, throughout the main melee throughout the summer showdown throughout the countdown cup and remember that they're contrasting them in this way because there was no june joust last year it was like home stands then may melee then summer showdown oh, yeah. then countdown cup so it does it's a little wonky in terms of how they've done it but it's essentially just massively better viewership compared to last year nice I mean, honestly, I would say that this is... Uh, and once again, we have to put a caveat here since we are the balanced DM show, is that I'm assuming some of these numbers probably include the reported numbers from China, right? I would, I would imagine. Oh, they all do. Certain, they all do. Yeah, yeah so... Yeah. Once again, always in the balance TM take, there is some, there's always some weirdness and goes on with like what exact numbers. Obviously, they say they have very exact science with how they get it. I'm sure they're not lying on their end. It's more so like... If you're being told you're getting something accurate, but it's not accurate, then it's still not accurate, right? Even Are if you, you sure? believe it to be so. If you believe sure. it, sorry, sorry, Kurt. If you scroll up a sec, um, it has the little paragraph there. Viewers in China can watch, uh, can catch everyone's on Billy Billy. You should be some yeah. China. Oh, it's actually so. I mean, it sounds like it did increase on those things, but it sounds maybe it is wrapped up in here. Maybe it oh isn't. wait, take a look at the know. graphic again. Sorry, it might be in the small yeah, maybe print look at the for the graphic. Maybe it's in the small text. Is it only for YouTube? It says only for YouTube. Yeah, uh, Overwatch League's main YouTube channel. So these that are only from Overwatch League's okay. Main uh, okay. The West. Well, then in that case, they have all the direct data. There's nothing to say like that. So either way, there's no obfuscation. Then in that case, that's just the overall good. 
Yeah. It's overall like really good. And I think we can be really happy about that. And I think the thing that's been annoying me because it ties back into our Overwatch 2 discussion is that realistically, when you look at like how the league's done in comparison to like other leagues in the ecosystem, like CDL, CDL had a really good season one. CDL kind of took a nosedive this past year, legit compared to its cool. season one, honestly. And people were still saying like, oh, CDL is like the premier product within this ecosystem. But like, but Overwatch League was doing great. It was doing like fantastic, you know, uh, for where we were at. As well, yeah, a game fantastic. It's doing it's doing better than fantastic as in like where we thought we were at, right? And also like the, the the age of the game and the lack of content for the base game and everything. Like when you really think about all the factors, like when you hear all the news that surrounds Overwatch, sometimes you would think it's dead. You would think like this game is it's it's done it's like over but like performing fine you know not it's not like it's not performing at league like Valorant or League of Legends level but it's performing it's a fine. solid tier two esport yeah I feel like it's that's doing, doing very solid and and that's what people don't get both from within Overwatch and outside as well is that people were sold on a tier one esports product and what has been delivered is a very solid tier two esports product. And from the fans' perspective, a lot of them want that. They want to be tier one for whatever reason. They can't just be happy watching whatever product they're doing. The only people who have any right to be annoyed about that are the franchise owners that got sold a tier one product to begin with. And they're, they're locked in this shit and they're doing whatever they can to try and boost the viewership anyway. So this kind of news is only positive for them because it gets them back up towards things. And weren't they originally, wasn't there like... That original report in 2018 that the viewership that they were sold on was actually only like 50k or something. Yeah, was, yeah, they were sold on a much lower viewership number, expecting growth, and then obviously what happened was it kind of like went the opposite like way. Big around. dropped, plateaued, went up a bit now again. So like, right. but this is all when you think about how long the league's been running before Overwatch Two. For myself, it feels like a dispelling of some of that bad, those bad juju that was a, that was just felt like. Like, as soon as I heard, like, oh, viewership was up. Nice. Oh, also, Overwatch 2 is out. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. It's like, this is a dub. I don't see this letter too often. <laughs> the rare I dub. Get the your rare fucking dub. binoculars out. But, but, it's a, but it's a dub, you know? And, like, I felt, even though myself as someone that was not a doomsayer or a naysayer by any means and very actively involved in the scene, you still couldn't help but be affected by the negativity at points, I think, even as yeah. someone working within it. And it was nice to just get, like, that's just the power of PR, honestly, of just, like, actually getting... W's back I mean, like back. a month ago, people are posting on Reddit threads saying that the league, is there even going to be a 2022 Coca-Cola's gone? What are we doing? Et cetera, in et cetera. Foil hats. I, I, I had that tweet about like, hey, I appreciate the league or whatever. And people in the comments were like, oh, I'll, this is a pretty good sign. Johnny knows that the league is going to die. It's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, hold on. Don't forget, I'm going to Fortnite. Josh leaked it already. Um, yeah, I'm going to work with Nate Nanza on yeah. Fortnite. Yeah. But, but when I look at that graphic, though, of the uh, of the 2021 viewership, what it says to me is less so that there's a dub and more so that we fucking CPR'd this league back to life. Because if you work backwards from these numbers, they, I don't believe they ever... Um, officially released the 2020 numbers as like one of those graphics that they were proud of because they only release it when there's growth and that they can True. publicize. Yeah. But if you work backwards from it, I have a graph that I dropped in uh, Discord actually that I built myself of the viewership trends. So what, what you've got here is I plotted four data points for each year to represent the four stages, but I could only find average viewership for the whole year for 2018 and 2019. So it looks like a flat line. So that first flat line is 2018. The second flat line is 2019. 
So that's not actually how that would have worked. It would have been more U-shaped because it always is. But I couldn't find the accurate data. But that was the average, right? So it starts out, what, like 75K, 73K, something like that, average in 2018. Goes up to nearly 100K in 2019. That tiny little crest after the flatline of 2019 is homestand data just from YouTube, not even from APAC. That's just homestand data. That was an increase in 2020. And then that fucking huge dip, the the tunnel of doom there, (laughs) is when the pandemic hit and we were scrambling and we had like a two months off and nothing was going on. And it was like... We, we closed down for a while, shifted to YouTube, and nobody tuned the fuck back in. And then look at how bad the 2020 viewership was. I mean, it's just, like, that is a dead league. If that had continued, that is a, that is, that's not even a tier two product. It so was th- tough. That was, yeah, incredibly rough. And then the fact that we, what you can see from this graph, at least from what I get away from it, is that we're now back on track. This is like... It's not as big as the growth from 2018 to 19, but it's at least growth from 2019. And 2020 was so horribly abysmal that we're, we, we fucking CPR'd the league back to life with a good format, a more fun tone of everything, good quality games, a vibrant meta. Like all of that stuff has been positive to just get the league back on track. But it's, it's still been fucked by that 2020 year because it could have been way better than it was, but last year just boomed us that's still w maybe a lowercase w no it's still it a dub. Be a, it could be a lowercase dub you know <laughs> it could, it could just not no, it is a dub. it's still a dub but when i look at that viewership i'm like wow yeah the, the league is doing okay and holy fuck we were doing awfully last year so like i'm wiping beads of sweat off my brow like thank fuck for that you know you dodged a bullet because after one year like that, it's easy to just tank a whole product and it just yeah. just lives at that yeah. forever. Could have been H1Z1 Pro League. Yeah, <laughs> shortly after. <laughs> World of Tanks. Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean I, I, it's just so relieving as well to, to understand that it's like natural growth and it's like because we have a good product and it's healthy. Like it, because I, I, I understand. I understand some of the naysayers and criticizers of the initial, the inaugural uh, 2018 Overwatch League season, you know, following a dead 2017. Pe- people think back to Apex as like the glory days of Overwatch, like 2017, that was amazing. As a competitor at the time, NA and Europe was fucking dead. Yeah. We didn't have anything we had like three online tournaments and we were sitting on like a salary and misfits are like how are we gonna like get any kind of value from the salary we're paying these guys dude it was was so scary going on there was it was awful i was thinking every day this was my day on lg i was like it's over they're taking our salary next i saw teams dropping like fucking flies (laughs) like everyone getting cut like i thought it was done any moment of any day even like God bless him. Like even the initial like contender seasons before we even had Overwatch League. And at the time, that was like the premier European yeah. and NA competition. It was bad. It was not great. So yeah, people think back to Apex because obviously that was the only thing we had at the time. But the rest of the ecosystem, if you were a journalist and you were covering Overwatch esports in 2017, like NA, Europe, etc., like you're you're sitting there like what are blizzard doing like what what are they doing with our esports ecosystem here so i get the people who are upset about the initial inaugural 2018 season like just all the money you know the production is like hey we're the next nfl like it's the 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 spinning cube with the overwatch league logo and it's like (laughs) fanfares and orchestras and walkouts and like 
everything is like silver and it's like polished and it's shining and everything it's like okay at some points that felt a bit artificial and like it didn't feel genuine no but this year like it feels like you know we understand our audience we're having a great time the vibes as you said like i've been loving the watchpoint show bit biased of course but like (laughs) everything is just fun and loose and people enjoy the overwatch league and just being part of it or like watching it talking to their friends being a fan of the teams etc so it feels yeah. very natural and organic, and I think I think as a supporter of the Overwatch League, obviously I work on it. It that that is feels very comforting now compared to back then when it was like very artificial in a sense. Just as a small note on that, Johnny, what you said, like I think the understanding um, from, I guess the management production kind of side to run these like dumb sketches that are just they're just memes like the my favorite meme was the bren voiceover of the guy eating a turkey leg yes. you know what i mean oh uh, yeah that, with, his, yeah. with his old like button nipples yeah yeah exactly like uh, knowing the audience i think everybody this year at least like i said from management production side like understand our kind of meme audience they love memes. They love like dumb skits. They love all these kind of things. And it, it really shows this year with like how fun the desk has been with the, my favorite skit was the crime scene one um, from this year. Yeah, that was unreal. Like it is so funny. And I think that's definitely helped as well with viewership too. Just not being this kind of static desk that talks about game and only game mean talk now. Like there's actually fun stuff and you guys I mean, are, I was you guys are having here with fun. Costa. Like it, yeah. it, you know, it was me, Costa Zoe with like a backdrop and at times it was really stale. And that's yeah, just, yeah. Like this know. year has been great. And it's well, definitely the, up the viewership for sure. The other thing to consider here is that a lot of, um, if we weren't in a franchised system, if instead we had an open circuit and the orgs were investing um, and they weren't locked into any kind of, contract with the league then the the lack of growth in 2020 and the you know the only just getting things back on track etc would be oh it would have keeled over yeah i mean it would be really worrying because those orgs want growth if something isn't financially sustainable now they need growth to have the idea it will eventually be financially sustainable and in fact profitable if your growth stops then your investment has to drop because you're expecting a lower return in the future the fact that you have a franchise league creates that stability because these orgs aren't just going to... I mean, some of them might pull out in the same sense that Valiant pulled out, as in they're going to pull out investment, but there is a minimum mandated investment that they must give, and even that is good enough to be able to field some decent teams if you actually put any amount of effort into building them. So the the Overwatch League is actually in a relatively decent space in terms of stability right now you know what the product is that you're getting maybe that's not the level of growth you wanted when you signed up in 2018 but you know what you're getting now and you can adjust your budget relative to the expectation for next year okay next year you're anticipating growth based on overwatch 2 but it's not going to be it's not going to be fucking popping off into the stratosphere most likely it's going to be some moderate level of growth expected based on overwatch 2 being more successful than a predecessor it's it's in an interesting spot. I mean, it's just about people readjusting their expectations now. Definitely. Also had one of the better ways of monetizing the league up until recently, until all the sponsors dropped, and who knows what's going to change with that. But, like, that was one thing that always got glossed over, and we've talked about it before, was that, like, yeah, you'd have really crazy high peak viewer numbers in games like CSGO, but everyone made, like, $2. 
from it sure. because there was literally no way to effectively monetize these numbers. And that's something that the Overwatch League definitely set out to fix in many ways and had sort of made progress in doing in terms of monetizing viewership yeah. far better than before. Yeah, so definitely. like definitely things to also keep in mind. Let's talk about some of the actual Overwatch that occurred this week then, huh? It's uh all right, let's let's do this, you know, quickly here because we spent like an hour talking about Overwatch 2. True, true. It's a big topic. It, that, it, is, that is, it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. In some so. sense it's bigger than the play-ins. The fact oh, that yeah, Overwatch oh, yeah, 2 it is. Is yeah, yeah, for sure. But anyway, the playing games did happen. Washington and Toronto managed to uh win their initial play-in rounds. Toronto was playing against Boston. Uh Washington was playing against Paris. Houston. Yep. Forgot and that. Paris. Forgot yeah. that game happened. Uh, yeah, and and uh so in this, in these initial games, Avast, I want to give this one to you. The Washington Justice <laughs> against the Paris Eternal. You were originally the EU hater. Now you're the little Paris simp. And unfortunately, well, all, their season has come to an a end. Very, that's a big mischaracterization. No, it's not. Would, that's exactly that's what you've been this year. So first of all, I was on. I I was. I I had functioning eyeballs, and I didn't think that the <laughs> London Spitfire was going to be good, and I didn't think Paris Eternal was going to be that good either. Paris Journal beat my expectations and then swiftly lowered them after they won me over. So I was very upset with Paris Eternal for making me go back on my initial, my initial thoughts on them and then reverting in form so terribly. I think overall, when you watch this match, there's just really nothing else to say other than like Justice came online at the right time, I feel, right? Like we had playoffs decay, popping <laughs> the fuck off. Fury Assassin also is on the redemption arc currently. Oh, yeah. Assassin is on the redemption arc right now. Like going from Mimp to like legitimately good Sombra play. Uh and like always still very solid echo play when we saw Assassin on the Echo. But like the Sombra play that we saw here was so it is another 180 from what we had seen from Assassin previously. And I think that this was just like Justice coming online. They feel really good. Eternal just they have they have fucking collapsed. We're dealing, we're, we have, we have, we've dealt with like, if I were to make a, a very stupid American joke, I could make like a, a World War II France joke, but I don't think I'm going to make it. So I won't say, I won't say the joke, but you know, the point, the point being like, <laughs> you've just essentially Jesus. said the joke by outlining the setup for the joke. But, but you know, I didn't say it. I didn't say the joke. Right, right. You know? Okay. I didn't okay. say the joke. Yeah. But that would be, that, that was, I was more K-Kona than I am. I'm not that right, K-Kona. Right. The point being, I think, Shout out to I, the it's, French really, resistance. it's really they overall a shame. It's a shame, I think, though, for Paris, because they look so promising at the end of stage three, and they just collapsed. I don't know what right. happened. The meta was still good for them here. Like, it was, a, it's a meta they'd been proven they could play before. They just looked rough. Like the coordination wasn't there. They weren't getting the same value from their plays. And Justice just like was the way better team, honestly. So Yeah, I mean the Washington Justice. You you mentioned Assassin coming online at the right time, Fury playing well. But I think two underrated factors that I mentioned on the show as well that really helps this team. It's the fact that Mag, oh my god, he just swapped the ball as I was about to say he's not gonna play ball. <laughs> <laughs> but Mag not playing wrecking ball and just sitting on Winston and Reinhardt for most of the time. What an EMP by Assassin, by the way. I love this guy. I'm so glad he's playing well now. Yeah. Mag, Mag playing Winston and Reinhardt is really helping him having an impact on the game as well. His Reinhardt historic historically was really good when they played Fearless in Dallas in that knockout series in the summer showdown. Had a dominant performance on Reinhardt then. His stats are like insane on the hero. I thought they were like inflated at the start of the year when we saw them in like June Jaws. And I was like, there's no way Max like actually a good Reinhardt though. Like 
he played this comp into something and he got a lot of damage, like whatever. But he's genuinely like a good Reinhardt. His Winston, we haven't, you know, we've talked about his Winston at length and how impactful that is as well. Um, so that really helps the Washington Justice. And also, closer, just one tricking Lucio instead of having to play Brig or yeah. putting in Tuba to play the Brig really helps this team out. Because now you can play the rush composition with the Lucio and the Reinhardt, which Mag does a pretty, pretty decent good job at. And you don't, I mean, not being able to play Brig or not having to play Brig is honestly like the biggest boon for this team because their Brig play was fucking shite. Like it was garbage. It was horrendous to the point they put in Tuba to try and protect Bebe against some of these teams. Like, oh my God, it was miserable. And honestly, one of the biggest reasons why Washington were so bad in the Countdown Cup. So I think some of it is, is yes, confidence coming online at the right time for players like Assassin, the K popping off in playoffs. Yuri being a really good off tank, but just having the availability to play these rush compositions and also being able to play like on a Lucio comps um, or with Winston or like whatever, I, I think that really helps the Washington Justice. Um, and I think we're underestimating how good they can be when they can play their own game a little bit. I, uh, the, the biggest, well, first of all, I have a theory about the Justice, which is that. Um, I'm not sure that this is accurate, but Closer has been a shot caller for teams before. So I'm going to assume that he's the shot caller for this team as well in terms of primary like engage comms and stuff like that. It feels like there's a huge difference for this team in terms of their proactivity when Closer is on Lucio compared to when he's on Brig or something. And that, you know, that might seem like a really obvious statement. You have Lucio, you go aggressive. But the, the difference for the Justice when they're playing those Brig comps and the, the other comps as well is night and day. They they just don't do anything. They just stand around and just wait to die. And it's painful to watch. And that happens when they play like ball comps, even where you should be trying to be proactive in terms of how you're playing. And it happens when they're playing like the other, um, even like the Anna Brig kind of comps as well with Mag playing Winston. It does seem to be like they need a, a vision of how they want to engage and they need Closer and Lucio just shuttling everyone forwards and empowering Mag's aggression. Otherwise, this team collapses. They can't play slowly. They suck. They suck. They need to turn the tempo up and play aggro like this. And I have really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's, God, so, it's so funny how like it's almost at the exact same time that Decay came online last year. Like that whole debacle and when him when he was playing Zarya and just like hard carried. I remember the Numbani specifically when he was just he was just melting people. Like we're talking ninety k damage per map. Like the guy was just hard carrying. But it's just so funny that Washington Justice do take a dip, like you were saying, Johnny, um, when they were playing the Brig, and they come back in playoffs and Decay just starts pounding again. Although yeah, there's a lot of other factors in that too, but. Decay is the consistent one, I feel like. Dude, yeah, he's nuts. He's nuts. Just an absolute nutcase. On the flip side, though, I'm super happy Paris did well. Naga, I've been casting Naga for a long time. I'm sure you guys probably did, or Josh even probably yeah, did. Um, oh, that was a sicko mode so. shot. I mean, Naga was on, it was in an A2, so I casted him a little bit when he was in Yeah, an like, uh, the guy has always been very, very good. Like, he, I believe yeah. Copenhagen Flames he played on, which was just a oh, disaster yeah. of a team. Um, when I was casting in contenders and 
seeing him play far like we're seeing right now, oh my god, it's just a, a blessing. I feel at 100 right now. I feel hashtag blessed <laughs> to see some of that far play. Because uh, honestly, they needed him to kind of pop off. They can't have... There's, I think there's a few teams in the league where they're, they have one superstar DPS and then their other DPS is good. It's kind of like Justice in a way where Assassin was like, eh, kind of like meh. And then Decay was really trying to hard carry. But Paris Eternal needed that like star power potential. And I'm glad Naga brought it this far. I mean, making it this far as Paris too, um, unbelievable props to them. And playing on ping, just, yeah, yeah. Yeah. just yeah. insane. I'm looking forward to like where these players go. Um, obviously, we already spoke about Overwatch too, but like, Damn, uh, Paris better be looking at keeping people like Naga. That is for sure. And Khan, what an absolute beast. I think all these players are like, honestly, they all have a lot of potential here with them. In fact, if anything, a lot of people have been talking about Khan, but as the season's gone on, I've been really impressed with Dredro. I yeah. know, yeah. Joe, no lie, I think Dredro actually is a currently a better overall player than Khan. I just think Khan has better mechanics, but I think Khan has dumb brain. And I think he can, that can be improved. <laughs> Khan, Khan can fix dumb brain. You can fix that. Like you can make a player, you can you you can play play with the right team, get the right coaches. Like that player can improve dramatic dramatically, right? But I think Dredro right now is like a very very well rounded support player. It's just obviously when you're playing on ping and when a team that isn't currently having a lot of success, your main support is gonna look worse. Yeah, um, alongside sure. like your main tank and stuff. Oni went from like a fuel that like was pretty bad to being I think in my opinion I think Oni God was more of a star of the show for Paris at times than than Naga was. Like Oni God was incredible. Vestola was like. I what I when Vistola first showed up, I was like, "Holy shit, who is this off tank?" I thought he was amazing when he when he first played. Like, there's so many pieces on this Eternal squad that I think could have very promising long term career. Yeah, I mean, the best it's way to put it, right, is like if you're speculating about next seasons, like, hey, do, who do you keep on this roster? Like, who do you sign to improve this roster? Most part, like, keep the team together. Like, just give them better circumstances. This is a team that plays on ping. They're not, as far as I know, they're not in the same house, right? Like, put them in the same place, you know, better yeah, they're conditions. they're all in their own individual places. Yeah. yeah. Like, this is a team that is playing with subpar circumstances compared to some of the other teams around the league. Like, give them a team house, get together, improve on this season. Maybe, like, sign one, one or two players to build out the roster a bit. But for the most part, it's a really solid roster. And it's likable. They have good synergy, identity. I like I'm sure we'll talk about that more in the offseason as well as it gets yeah. closer and we'll, we discuss all the different options that teams have. Uh, what, what do you think about Toronto, though? They, those were, that was the other team that made it through the first round in that game against Boston. Um, I felt like they played all right. They played better than I'd seen from them throughout most of the season. I'm not a big Toronto fan. I think they underwhelmed massively this season. But they played all right in that first playing game. I thought it was fairly decent showing. Check my preseason rankings to see how I feel about Toronto. <laughs> Check my preseason rankings. Thought that team was going to be great, and they yeah. were not. I, I, mean, they, I looked they at the preseason okay. rankings, though. I looked at this like spreadsheet that got all the preseason rankings together. You were about the only person that believed in them. Yeah. I, I, because, I mean, their pieces, like, it just looked like they had good pieces. And I was so disappointed. Like, this is a huge, this is, to me, one of my biggest disappointments was Defiant because I felt like they had great pieces in that team. And it just, and they even got a, a new legend. They they fucking discovered a shiny in the wild when they were running around. They found yeah, fire they got somehow, fire. got that guy under contract, and like they still like they they kind of got it together at the end, right? They they performed the best they performed all season at the end of the year, and they kind of figured out their player rotation a bit. It's like okay, whenever we're playing purely tracer, we have a spire in. When we wanted to play like the echo and the pharaoh, with some tracer, nice was playing, and nice actually had an okay tracer too during this. 
despite yeah. nice having pretty underwhelming dps performance at points like i think his tracer was fine when he was play, having to flex onto it off of the echo and the pharah like overall and all and hisu had a resurgence uh star dps player definitely was looking great at the end of the year uh their backline was still fine like backline was good i yeah. think Anton j was was solid lastro was still lastro um sato i think actually started to like look like old sato a bit towards the end but they were just it was just disappointing i mean the, the team it had the talent it just didn't have the coordination like honestly that was literally it i felt like this team aside from like nice flex picks at time outside of his like his Pharaoh and his Echo, I didn't feel like nice projectile, like his flex DPS play was ever really top tier. But like when you look at the rest of the players on this roster, aside from maybe like Michelle at points, honestly, maybe I maybe Michelle kind of like bamboozled me. Like I do feel like they were in position to have like an okay run. It's just they did not have the coordination. Exactly. Pretty much I feel the way about this team at the end of the season, I feel about Paris. It's just a, t a roster with relatively solid parts that could not get their coordination together at any point. Like they would I mean just never be able to get it together. There are very obvious like mid-table teams, um, yeah. and uh, we actually have to talk about APAC right after this, like Philadelphia and how they beat um, Hydro oh, Spark and Soul yeah. Dynasty. But like some of these teams, they're just like painfully mid-table, and I think Toronto Defiant, they're one of those teams. They they like came out playing this wrecking balls and the other composition. They're pretty good at it, you know. They're decent. They have some fun things going for themselves on their roster, but there's a pretty big leap to them the San Francisco Shock, even like Washington and Houston at times, like their peak yeah. level is just way higher than the Toronto Defiance. It so is, it is. A pretty good showing here against Boston Uprising. That was honestly disappointing. And I don't like, don't even care to talk about them. But <laughs> Toronto <laughs> Defiance, I, I think they put on a good showing. They're just not like elite. And yeah. we kind of knew that and expected yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, yeah, let's let's take a little moment here just to talk about the, um, the APAC teams as well. I know that um, we like classic fucking plat chat we forgot to put them in the bloody rundown again okay last <laughs> last week it was josh okay this week it was me i wrote down the rundown and you know how it's we're not gonna me, do guys. the show okay it, 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 this time it was on me okay i apologize but the philadelphia fusion make it through the play-ins right by beating the hangzhou spark and then the seoul dynasty and what because those games happened before a lot of the other western games i was I watched them before I watched the others, and I tweeted out that I thought the fusion looked really dangerous. Like, they, 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 the development they've made since adding Funny Astro to the team has been remarkable, and they still have another four weeks with this roster to get even better and better and better. So I think that I put out a tweet, I think, saying something like, there is a world where the fusion end up looking scarier than the Shock or um, Atlanta or... Uh, like some of the other teams. I didn't actually know who was going to qualify at that time, but, you know, Justice, that kind of thing. Um, they ended up being the final pick in that round, the, the kind of show as well, which we'll talk about later on. But I think for some reasonably good reasons, this team has potentially the best backline in the game right now. Again, with Alarm and Funny Astro playing at... I think Alarm and Funny Astro are playing at peak performance. I think the, the just the duo of the two of them... And funny, Astro is probably playing the best he has on the brig. This is this is a scary team to go up against, but and as well, they have good um, they have good understanding of what compositions to pull out and when. In this series against the Spark, they basically just played the Balls End Tracer comps, and then when they played against uh, Soul afterwards, they ended up matching Arissa comps a lot with like Echo Echo Ash, Echo Ash a lot, and. Uh, and they looked great then too, always making really intelligent swaps. 
uh, this this team is finally looking like the fusion that we thought might come out this season. No, yeah. but that was just because half their players couldn't even play. To be fair, um, sure, which was a large hindrance. I mean, looking at <laughs> a large hindrance, half your roster <laughs> not yeah. being there. I, that's. I think that counts as a large hindrance. Yeah, do not think. Be, yeah, yeah, I think pretty, so. pretty large. That's an understatement. Like, at the very at the very beginning, Fusion just looked really bad. Like they didn't look good. It wasn't like you said the Fusion we kind of expected, but then as soon as Shockwave came in and Astro yeah, I mean, the, as well, like God the really damn, weird man. thing about the Fusion though is they started the season looking nuts. They went like four and zero, right? And then that oh. stage that you're talking about is kind of the middle of the season when they looked yeah. poo. It was a really odd season for them. It felt yeah. like a lot of people were just getting warmed up in a way, like uh, playing the playing the meta at the time at least and just not having a hit not being able to clone carpe has always been kind of the meme right but as soon as shockwave ended up coming back like that guy's just an absolute freak on the hit scan and then carpe could basically do whatever he wants i think this this uh con we're seeing right now is definitely one of the strongest because i agree their backline is looking the best it's ever been do you remember <laughs> do you remember release funny astro on the brig like when funny astro first started playing it and then they flexed over alarm to brig because yeah, they just yeah. needed someone on the strongest support character and it just didn't look good at all but astro's ability to uh improve that rapidly as well has been just astronomical yeah, yeah. they're they're my um dark horse to win the entire thing and i know that sounds like a lot okay um but I predicted at the start of last week that I think they're my dark horse to win the entire thing. Because essentially now, with the playoffs, you only have to catch fire for like one weekend and you can win it all. Find one good streak and you're in. And I think a lot of people are sleeping on the Philadelphia Fusion. We'll talk about the bracket later. But this is a team that when they play at their best, they should not be underestimated. Um, and like what you pointed out earlier, Josh, they made some good comp swaps. Um, you know, they've played some rush throughout the entire season. They can play some more recent compositions. I love this composition, like Joss mentioned, when they play Alarm on the Sen. How do you unlock Shockwave playing the Ash and Alarm playing the Sen Yara and having tons of um, input that way, right? Um, I think the Fusion are honestly like a really good team. And they might turn out to be one of the worst teams out of the eight in the playoffs now. Uh, but they could also, shockingly, like claim third. Like, I would not be surprised if they just like happen to catch fire. Um, they figure out a way to play their game and make comp swaps, and that just works for them. And they get third against some of these teams that are still a bit up in the air for us. So, I mean, um, I would be surprised if they ended last. I, I really would be. I'd be surprised if they went out. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like what Washington Justice, maybe even Atlanta Rain would like to disappoint somehow. I mean, I think but... the shock might as well, considering they're playing against the Shanghai Dragons in round one. If they get a rush, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk, we'll talk about, about that all later. You know. Yeah, yeah. But I think Fusion are really good. Um, they're looking really good. And yeah. Hangzhou Spark is one of those teams that I just mentioned earlier. Like they're trying to define to me. Like they're just yeah. painfully mid table. No point to talk about. I think they were worse comp. than painfully mid table because yeah. they had so much like. They had even better right? talent. They had even better yeah. talent than the Toronto Defiant, and they just... I, I guess there is some level of um, of unluckiness to their season as well because they signed this star Chinese off-talent talent, uh, talent league, and he was uncomfortable playing, didn't want to play because of his mental health, and so they ended up probably having to go with their B squad for a lot of the year, and maybe that caused them to play with less uh, Chinese talent overall elsewhere as well. They're kind of forced to play coldest in this final match, but 
That was very strange. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, I mean, uh, well, they had to, right? Because there's no MCD. Yeah, yeah right? I know. They but like, oh my God. Dude, I looked up how many matches Coldest played prior to that, and it was like one, and he lost. Like, yeah. one game in the league. I was like, holy. Like, the team just dropped so many players, and they dropped their coaching staff too, and that, that was all muddled around. It was They dropped Takiyaki, who I thought was just incredible coming into the season, and... 12-man roster turned into barely two players, it felt like, by the end of it. It was it, it was a rough year for Spark. Yeah, this is one of those teams that's getting worse as time goes on, actually. This is one of the franchises that's lose, It's getting lost in its own source. So I think this offseason and turning things around for Overwatch 2 is very important for this squad. Like maybe a clean refresh of the, uh, the coaching staff and picking up somebody that has historically got good results elsewhere is a great position from rather than trying to pick up like unknown or giving coaches a fresh chance every time um let's let's talk about some more of the western stuff though san francisco shock ended up being able to beat the toronto defiant and they make it out here so they're going to be one of our first round uh teams as well i put out another fucking tweet saying that i didn't think anyone i i thought no team is going to want to pick san francisco in the first round and then Dragons do it immediately. But this team looked... Here's where I want to start with this. The first round of Oasis Cut, if you can pull it up, looked awful from the shock. I don't know if anyone else got the impression, but the first round was like, they are not even just dropping their spaghetti. They are just swimming in it. They're swimming in their own spaghetti. It's flying everywhere. They were like going for 1v1 plays all over the place. They had no coordination in terms of where they were positioned and the fights they were taking. Like FD got his off on the side, dueling some people. It was all over. And then they just kind of rolled the Defiant after that. Oh, the boop kill. You, did you see Violet's tweet? He yes. went back in the replay thing and he yeah. booped Sardo. No, sorry. FD God booped Sardo while he was fireball and knocked Violet off. Actual here it is. It's right here. There, there you is. go. <laughs> Actual team killer. <laughs> oh, yeah, tragic. So funny. That's Absolutely funny. tragic. I felt, honestly, Shock are, to me, are currently... I mean, obviously, Shock have had a way better overall season than Fusion, but I currently feel the same about Shock as I feel about Fusion, where they're both in, like, a really strong position heading into playoffs. Um, because I, I feel, I feel like shock in this, now they figured out their player rotation and they're just playing glister like a lot more, honestly. And Nero feels a lot more comfortable too. I think they're, I think they look great right now. I think shock look really, really good right now. Like they're always suspending spaghetti drop, but I feel like this could be a scary shock heading in to the playoffs. Like to me, it reminds me of fusion. Like I said earlier, where like, it feels like they've got all their shit together. Obviously fusion circumstances were different because they were waiting for their roster to get there fully and to integrate players. But I do think both these teams who have had like, it's not like they've had bad seasons necessarily, especially not shock, but I, I do feel like they're going mean, to be this much team stronger. fight. This team fight is absolute just, but where are people this going? Is put, yeah. This is just this is this is actually just nuts because you think Shock are winning it and then they all go to the edge and they get counter booped <laughs> by like Sado and they die and lose yeah, this fight because they've gone too far out. Here's my uh, fear though for the Shock, not necessarily fear as well, is just that when I look at them and compare them to the Fusion, the Fusion play a larger variety of meta comps right now, whereas the Shock don't. The Shock are trying to force stuff that's off meta a lot of the time. And they're not really playing a, a huge variety of um, like meta ball comps, meta like the 
double shield comps that we've seen other teams be playing, that kind of stuff. They're leaning more into what they're comfortable in. I mean, in these rounds of control, it's fine to be playing the rank kind of stuff. But over the Countdown Cup, they were playing almost all of this kind of style. And I haven't really seen it demonstrated to me that they are an elite team when it comes to the uh, the ball type of stuff, the Winston type of stuff. Those kind of comps have not been top tier this season. Is, is, are you not concerned about that when you're thinking about Shock being scary? I'm, I'm not as concerned because of the fact that uh, because of the no hero bands. Like, do I think Ball is still going to be very, very good? Yes. But I think Lucio-style rush comps here and Duplicates is, is also made a resurgence of sorts. Duplicates can be played again. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of possibility, especially map-wise, for teams that are playing more comfort picks on Lucio to be really strong. And, like, and also, I'm not even that worried about it either because of the fact that Shock, if they wanted to, don't even have to play this rush comp. Because they figured out they can just play the Violet Twilight backline and have a Brigida player, you know, and not have to worry about like uh, some maybe some lack of comfortability on Brigida. Um, I I think the, they've kind of figured out their options heading into playoffs. And like, yes, did they beat Defiant? Is Defiant the strongest team? No, they're a very mid-table team, like absolutely. But there's a lot of things that they can iron out. There's a lot of room that they can grow here, and I think they've essentially fixed all the major problems in that they didn't know their player rotation. And they didn't know what, like, how many, like, how are they going to be splitting playtime between their players? And I think they fixed that. And they also now they can get back on comps that they feel comfortable with. Um, I, I still think, though, that teams that in general play the Wrecking Ball with, like, the Sunyata composition, I think those teams will have a bit of a leg up, a bit of an advantage on playoffs, because I do think that's the best composi composition still. Like, if you think, like, the Shanghai Dragons are going to go up against Shock playing this composition, or even like a Winston composition, I think the Dragons will have an advantage in that regard, or like the Chengdu Hunters. The thing is, I think Shock are like a pretty consistent, good team. Like I like, as you said, their player rotations, um, their hero rotations at times, like they're really solid to me. And the thing about the playoffs is that I think that all teams that are in it, to some degree, could individually drop their own spaghetti at some points throughout the playoffs. Like I don't fully believe in i think a single team in the playoffs because in one there's one alternate reality for each team that they drop the spaghetti like really? the dragons like I, I love the dragons but i could even see them like crashing out not in the first round but at some point like you know being disappointing oh, you're crazy no i i really do i really do that like they they could somehow maybe go out in like the lower bracket sometime earlier than we expect them to okay. because something happened it's been a while There's since no we way. saw them play There's i mean they no could way. maybe oh, they could maybe misread i actually think when i look at this postseason compared to all the other postseasons and like the play or not and like playoffs before us this feels like the most open it's been in a while do i still think shanghai is by far and away the best team heading in to this playoffs yes I, do I mean, I'll be predicting them to win the thing, but yeah. I'm saying unlike some years where Shock always dominates and Shock are always like the best team and you have f full faith in them, I don't feel like I have the same degree of faith in these playoff teams. So when I look at the San Francisco Shock or uh, I don't know what another good example is, like they Gladiators. bring their own style, they bring their own compositions and some of these teams, they might not have like the foolproof read on every kind of composition like even like a torb comp like this it might just like throw a team for a loop 
they they feel unprepared you lose a map it it's a downward spiral etc the, the the thing that is so nice about this year's playoff is that almost all compositions are to some degree viable and you can make it work except yeah. for this fucking yeah. reaper genji composition i hate <laughs> it get, get, get yeah, me out this of here. one Huh? But, oh. No, this is but, fantastic. It's really good into the the Torb in particular. Oh my god! <laughs> but if you're a Ryan team, you can make it work somehow, unless the opponent just like straight up figures it out. If you're Atlanta Rain and you want to play Orisa on Kai, to some degree, you can make that work, or you can play Ball Winston, whatever. Um, Dallas Fuel, you know, they can make Winston work. So um, I I think that all teams have a chance to you know come in clutch, come in big, come to the playoffs, and San Francisco Shock are one of them. But to some degree, also like I'm. I'm I'm reserving the right to be disappointed by one of these top tier teams, and I think Shock could be one of those teams that just play their own game, are comfortable, push up like this, uh, like to do here, and it, some teams will be caught off guard by that. So Shock, I, I I think they're consistent. They've figured themselves out, and I'm not going to underestimate them come playoffs anyway. Okay, oh, let's let's move on to the best game of the playoffs that we had, which was or the play ins rather, which was the Washington Washington Justice playing against the Houston Outlaws. This is our only five mapper. Both of the Eastern games went three one, but the Western games were all three nils apart from this one. Um, and I was I was anticipating this to be a close game. The the desk and the casters for the game were split three and three. Me and Bren and Jonathan all thought that the Outlaws were going to be able to take it. The others had the Washington Justice being able to win. Uh, what were your expectations of us, Jaws, for this match? Jaws, you can go first. Um, I don't know. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be frankly honest with you. I, I knew it was gonna be close. I think both the teams are fairly evenly matched, especially with Justice kind of level up their good their true glow up uh in recent times. I was my I guess my only concern with the outlaws was how they were gonna be able to handle like someone like Decay. Because both Happy and Dante have been kind of popping this season, Dante especially. But like, I don't think there was anything that uh, they could have done about Decay. Really, they they like playing. Obviously, we saw on Anubis, there was we're seeing here with the with the echoes. I thought Assassin was just a better echo than Dante. I like going into this series. So if we were going to see that kind of matchup, which we did, it was going to go one way, and that really uh, that was Assassin's way. Yeah. Okay. I thought it was going to be a, a giga banger was my exact prediction. I, I said wow. gigabanger and I, it, I have video proof because I was streaming it. So you can call, you can call that. You can fact check it for you. you. I have video proof. And I did think outlaws were going to win this match though. I did think outlaws were also going to win this match. I didn't feel like justice were complete enough of team as long as outlaws didn't boom themselves. And then the greatest thing of all happened when outlaws boomed themselves <laughs> and then there, then they lost. So like, that's just the one thing that couldn't occur. And it did. I mean, this this also, is one of the... I didn't agree with their their picks here. Like, like I felt like Outlaws. I'm still of a strong belief that you put your better Tracer player on Tracer, and you put your player that's not as good as Tracer on Sombra. And I would much prefer to have Dante on Tracer this whole match when he wasn't. Uh, oh, hello. Outlaws did kind of get DPS diffed in this game. I mean, yeah. my expectation coming into it was not that they were going to get DPS diffed. I thought that it'd be relatively even between the two of them. Uh, but Assassin stepping up in this match played the best Sombra I think he's played all season. The manual hacks he was getting on everybody were just monstrous. They were constant. And the team was following up on them incredibly well. And then, uh, yeah, Decay was still doing his business. But it, it didn't feel like Decay was dominating in the same way that he had done in the game against... Uh, um, fuck, who was it? Paris. Uh, 
to me, this map, though, this match will definitely be one of the most memorable of this season. Just because of the shit talk from the Outlaws players and that horrible pause at the end as you just watched them all <laughs> realize wow. they'd lost. Like the, Did you see the Korean casters' reaction to that, no, by the way? No, what was that? It was so funny. There was like, there was the match was happening, and then like the pause happens, and the Korean casters just scream in unison. Like <laughs> in they just, agony. they just groan in agony, like when it happens, like on mic. And it's so funny. Both of them, like, if we could find the clip, Kurt, it's on like, it's on competitive Overwatch for sure, of like Korean casters reacting to it. But like, essentially, like the pause happens, and you just hear them go, like, ah, just like scream. <laughs> <laughs> together it's too, but it's too funny because it's them both it's them both at the same right, time right. like doing it it's really funny yeah, yeah i mean outlaws started the shit talk early and i i love that shit man yeah, i fucking love it i think it's it makes everything more fun it makes everything higher stakes as well if you're gonna talk your shit you have to stand by it and they did like at the end of the matches they started out after the first map that jake said in the chat you're going home soon get ready which i think is fucking great because it's so brutally just specific it's not like it's not too over the top it's just harsh reality is what jake's trying to tell the justice didn't turn out to be reality though and then at the end of the match when they lost jake and dante both typed in the chat okay we'll go home <laughs> or like we're going home now <laughs> which i think is just it's just fucking funny it's funny banter yeah yeah it is yeah. it's really funny i love your post-match treat was great as well it, it was uh it was a picture of piggy got like one of the cards at the end of one of the matches and it's had like eight minutes objective time or whatever from piggy steva and Fury tweeted out a picture. It was like he had painted like a star in paint over the card. And it was like, five-star Uber driver piggy. Thank you for <laughs> driving us to Hawaii or whatever. No way. <laughs> it was really good. That's so, great. Uh, that was good banter as well. Uh, love Fury. Um, That's fucking funny. This can, can I sag? Okay. You, you guys are, you know, zigging, you know, like, you know, great match, whatever. I think yeah. I'm going to sag here for a little bit. I think both teams throughout the match, dropped the spaghetti a little bit throughout. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think uh, both teams could have definitely won it on the other team's mistakes. Like the Washington Justice at times, like the compositions they were forcing on Eichenwalde, I was like, okay, what's going on here? Um, Johnny, we have to talk, wait, can we talk about Eichenwald real quick? Okay, the okay, Eichenwald yeah. Justice defense, where they mimped on cart after they made an incredible rotation play on second point on their offense yeah and then or on defense mimped on the point and then lost the second because of the mimp it was just like oh my god that was like that was actually the most brutal play i'm sorry i just had to talk about that that play hurt my soul that hurt uh, but, my soul but that's so funny though because now thinking about the washington justice i'm like okay they look clean uh, you know, being able to play these different kinds of compositions. Assassin looks great on the Sombra. Decay in playoffs. But this team could improve further. Like, this team, Washington Justice, I mean, they qualify here. I could definitely see them turning it up like 10, 15% no, no. going into the playoffs. They I can. highly disagree. Absolutely. Highly they, they disagree. They can. If they are more proactive, if they're more aggressive, if they stop messing up these ultimates and, you know, closer at times with the sound barriers, like, they, they can even improve 
and then they'll be even more scarier. Bro, and then it Washington Justice, they'll be top four. They'll be top four. You're fucking be like, crazy. What is happening? It's possible. You're fucking crazy, Jonathan. They 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 should be fucking thanking their stars. They're this good. They they've been shite all season long. This is the pinnacle that they're able to perform at. Is this good with these amount of mistakes? Like this, this is a team that's hamstrung even in this match by only being able to play two comps. They can just play the zombie comp, or they can try and swap to Ryan and maybe do something. The the reason they're making these mistakes is because they can't swap to other comps that are good against what outlaws are running. And so as soon as outlaws are able to rotate away from them, they're just shit out of luck. This is not a team that screams to me. Okay, they're a team that screams to me they've got more room to grow because they're not amazing, but they're not a team that says like, oh, these guys are improving like day by day. They're looking they're looking like they're, you know, we, we know they've got so much more to give. I think this is about the best you're going to get from the Justice. I oh agree. my God. I, wish I think Justice are extremely... I think, from, I think they're uh, so from the playoffs, And every day we could just hear Sideshow mauled day by day reactions <laughs> as the Washington Justice claw themselves throughout the it bracket. Ain't no, okay. it ain't happening. I'm on, I'm on Josh's side on this. I think Justice, they've they fucking hit their limit, man. Like, they're, not, the clip. they're not. It's going like, on Twitter. It's there the it same, is. Essentially, this is the same argument I have with the Chengdu fans where like, Everyone, Chengdu fans really hardcore mauled on me that I didn't put them, like, number two on the list for playoffs or, like, how I felt like they're going to perform or some shit. But, like, you know, I feel like Chengdu... But the thing is, I have more faith in Chengdu to randomly pop off and just, like, win series than I do in Justice because I feel like they're just too one... Washington like could beat Chengdu. Yeah, they could because Chengdu could lose to anybody and win to anybody. <laughs> That's They 100% could. Like, do I... I Like, Justice, though, they just don't feel comfortable enough on a variety enough of comps. They feel to me, it's kind of like this is like the perfect matchup between these teams because I felt I felt both of these teams were stagnant in different areas and both had their own problems. It's just they finally reached a meta where like they could gloss over all the problems, right? Like there was no hero limits again, so outlaws could like choose to commit to this comp or play Juby on Lucio, but they chose to play the Zen comp, which was fine. They kept Jacob Brigida the whole time. Justice, like okay, we can get back to playing Lucio. We can play like a rush style again, which is like more favorable for us. Like it's just we've glossed over their issues, but the issues are still there underlying for these both those teams both of these teams came into this series with one comp they wanted to play and they stuck to it and they picked maps around it and they fucking lived or died by whether the map favored their comp everyone won their own maps up until the very end and it was just we are going to pick a winston map we are going to pick a bald uh, zen map we're, like that was that was to me what the biggest takeaway in my opinion was that the outlaws whiffed the final map because i didn't really come away from this match thinking that both teams dropped their spaghetti because the the win on Anubis, Outlaws are massively not favored there with the style they like to play. And then the win on uh, Dorado for the Justice, same thing. Uh, the Outlaws comp isn't as good there. You would expect the Justice to win in a theoretical world if you just locked them into the comps that they were trying to run. So I, I, I felt like the only, the only time you could really talk about them performing dramatically under what you would expect from them is maybe Outlaws in that final map. Outside of that, it was just two decent teams slugging it out. I do think there was hope for Justice, though, because they decided because they started to swap yes. off the Lucio Moira comp and started to play like that Ana comp versus Outlaws, like the farm, the Nano versus the Zen. Oh, this is the play! Oh, my fucking eyes! Uh, so, like, the but the point being here is that, oh my god, oh, they're walking up the cool... Okay, okay, let's, let me get past <laughs> this. So, the... They did start to play like Lucio Ana a couple times into this Outlaws comp because it's great versus the Zin because you can farm the Nano really fast and then Nano engage with the Winston and get on the back line. 
And I and I actually felt like Justice and the rotations on the Lucio Moyer comp when they're playing this rush style were really good. Like I actually disagree. Think they some... I didn't like the, the no, Winston they did. I I think well, I actually liked it versus the Zin comp because if you play it right, you get the Ana, you get the Nano first, and you you ult cycle them the rest of the map. The I'd problem is you right have here. to play it first. You have to play it first, and you have to do it correct. But I I do actually think that Lucio Ana comp is good. It's just they fucked up the ult cycles on it a couple times. But if you build All Nano right. versus the Zin, you can just farm the backline really fast. It's happened. We've seen teams do it. Yeah, but you have to start with the you have to start the first neutral fight with the Ana. You can't swap to it like here, right? Like why why didn't they just go to a Rhine comp here? That's what I didn't really get. Yeah, they should have been on Rhine earlier here. They should have been on yeah, I agree. They should yep. have been on Rhine here too. But like the point being is like I still feel like there was macro elements of the Justice gameplay oh that gave them that gave them some hope. Do I think that they're gonna be good though in this playoffs? No. I still think they're too. I still don't think they're going to be good in this playoffs. I just think there there are some things to be like, oh, I've seen some nice things out of the Justice compared to what I've seen the rest of the season. I don't believe they're going to be good in playoffs. Um, let's let's talk about the bracket then, and just the first round of the bracket next week. There's no big games going on, right? The the league is essentially just silent until September 21st when the playoffs kick off, and so we have other weeks to talk about. Playoff predictions, bracket preview, all of that kind of stuff. But we had a show where the top-seeded opponents picked their first-round matchup. So we want to talk about that. First of all, the Shanghai Dragons picking the San Francisco yeah, Shock just straight off sick. the bat. Jaws, yeah. what the fuck is going on there? That clip with Danny and Moon. And Danny's like, what? <laughs> that is so funny. That summed the whole thing up. Dude, I don't know what they're thinking, man. I really don't. Do I, I do think... To Johnny's point or someone's point earlier about it being the most open that we've seen in previous history, in recent history uh, with the Overwatch League. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd say there's could be a lot more upset potential and other t teams going farther. We don't expect it. But do I think Dragons are probably going to win it all and go to the grand, at least go to the grand finals? Yeah, probably. Do they just want to lay the smack down to the shock right now? Uh, sure, but I wouldn't have fucking picked them right away. Like, I'd have picked some other fucking team. I'd have picked Atlanta or, like, someone over I mean, Justice, the fucking surely. shock. Justice, I mean, sorry. Yeah. yeah, like, somebody over the shock. But think about this. If the Dragons do lay down the smackdown to the shock and the shock just get blown the fuck away, I think that almost seals it. It's almost a sealed deal. It's almost a fucking sealed deal. You're going all the way. At least <laughs> to the fucking grand finals. I, I don't I, know what. Moon just massive cock down on the fucking table and said you know what fuck them dude if we beat shock right now we're just gonna win just give us the trophy bro do you think they're trying to anticipate the shock being more dangerous later on in the bracket like they don't want to meet the shock in the winner final i don't just think in case they go on a hater. Gonna, you do you think that they're going to be a team that's going to level up throughout the whole thing because i think as soon as shock step into this playoffs into this bracket i i don't think they're gonna be able to change drastically and go oh my god like shocker crazy in the finals like well they have damn. done that before they they looked a bit sure. weak was it 20 i think it was 2019 right where they okay. lost to the atlanta rain and then they went through the losers bracket and didn't drop a map or something after that yeah they did like okay. seriously level up uh, through that i think the shock are going to take some time to heat up because i don't see them i don't see them in playoff form right now it, well let's put it this way if they're going to get the three-peat, they need to improve from here. I don't think the Shock is in three-peat form currently. So if they're ever going to be dangerous, it'll be later in the bracket. I don't think they're going to be dangerous in the sense that they can beat Shanghai round one. 
I think they, if you met them in the upper bracket final, maybe they look like that, maybe. But just by virtue of them being there, they have to have beaten some really good teams and be more dangerous. So I, I don't know. I feel like it would be much, I think it would be much more dangerous for Shanghai to have picked, uh, I guess, like Fusion at this point, honestly. Yeah. Or, I, I still don't understand not picking like... Atlanta, though, does seem like a very Justice. reasonable pick. Same with Justice. Or Atlanta. Yeah, those yeah. are two. Those would be my picks if I was shot, if I was yeah. Dragons. But the thing is, is, like, I do think there is some merit to be said here of, like, if you can beat Shock early, then you're in a pretty good spot moving forward because you've moved a very strong opponent out. And on top of that, like, you're not going to have to deal with them for a while if they make their way out of, upper bra- out of lower bracket. So I actually, and I do agree that I think two teams that personally, to me, I think could level up hardcore during this playoffs run are Fusion and Shock. I think both these teams. Now, Fusion might be a little different because they're already coming in stronger, but I feel like now that there's just more and more time for Fusion's roster to gel now that they have everyone and they have, well, not everyone, everyone, but mostly everyone and that Shockwave's been integrated more for this team. Um, I think these two teams, you kind of want to get them out of the way because I don't, I don't see Gladiators going, doing more. I don't see fuel doing more than their what their peaks were, right? And like fusion and shock, there's room to grow for these teams, in my opinion. Um, and as you head into the playoffs, and dragons just be like, okay, let's get them out of the way and move forward. I think it's pretty reasonable. Yeah. The the next pick was Dallas picking the Washington Justice, wasn't it? Right, because yeah. we had the first seed and then the first. Seed yeah, and that made sense to me. That made yeah. perfect sense. That to makes me. complete sense. Yeah. Yeah. Dallas Great have had some. Yeah. Dallas have had some close games in the past, though, against Washington. Like, specifically what I'm thinking of, didn't they have, like, a five-mapper in the June Joust? In the main melee. Did they in the in main, main melee? melee? Yeah, yeah, they played Winston Combs. It was Mag versus Fearless. Right. Uh, yeah, and it was actually kind of a banger. But that was, like, when both of them were popping match. off, right? Yeah. Oh, was it Justice that played the five-mapper against Shock in the June Joust that I'm thinking of, yeah. actually? We were, we were speculating that uh, uh, this might just erode into uh, Ego-Winston duel once more, and they might just play, like, Neo-Goats throughout yeah. or something. Because teams are... Both of these teams are pretty comfortable doing that. So it might just degenerate into some random like Winston mirror composition with uh, I don't know like Tracer Sombra or something which would be incredibly fun to watch but that's just me dreaming hoping a little bit so I think that's quite reasonable actually judging by what Dallas have done so far this season I think that's that's like comfort territory for both teams and I mean if Assassin's playing like he has been he's been playing a better Sombra than Doha has this year like his current form is better than Doha's average this year so do you think so his, you think Assassin his current currently. form is way better than... Oh, okay. I think you're talking about... Because Assassin like currently better than Doha's average, yes. But Assassin's average is not better because he had that like awful period of time. But yeah, yeah. I think yeah. Assassin currently, yeah. I think Doha's okay, good, I though. Feel like, but... I feel like Doha's had a pretty good somber year, honestly. So I didn't yeah. think he's played poorly at somber at all. Yeah. But... Uh, that, that should be another fun matchup, though. Uh, who was the third pick, though? It was Chengdu picking Atlanta, wasn't it? Yeah. I, makes sense I, too. I mean, you know, play, man. I am definitely in the camp of like Chengdu gonna. I know a Vash or not completely, and you can Omega lol me, mind gobbling me on Twitter. But, um, dude, Chengdu hunters are fucking great, man. They are so fun to watch, and Leave is just an absolute freak on the tracer. This guy is a nut, like. There's nothing that can fucking stop him. However, Atlanta Rain maybe being able to run double shield, not only double shield, probably going to put a hindrance on the Chengdu hunters. But Gargar uh, has been great. Leave has just been spectacular. Their backline is super consistent too. I think it's going to be. I think Chengdu are going to go through. Yeah, I think they're going to. I think they're going to do very well against the Rain. 
I think I mean, that I think Atlanta be good. in trouble here. Yeah. Yeah, right. Like if if there's one team I think Chengdu aside from Justice would be like very well matched up against, it's probably the Rain currently yeah. heading into this. So like it makes I I see Chengdu winning this match as well. It's more yeah. so looking forward. Like do I think Rain could is is like guaranteed to lose this? No, not by no. any means. I think Rain could definitely have a especially because they but Rain still has apparently plans to play Pelican. He just will be going to the West Coast. Apparently, oh, so he he's taking a fucking King. train to Los Angeles yeah, or something. Apparently, he's gonna Jesus. go to the West Coast, and but I don't know if that's even allowed, right? Because wasn't part of the reason at Paris if they were gonna make it to playoffs that they would have to sign a new roster is that like they weren't gonna go to Hawaii because of like vaccination status and stuff, and like obviously Pelican can't because of like his lungs and like he recently had that operation. But wouldn't that still under go under the same thing where like he's not in Hawaii, he's not in Hawaii, so why would he be allowed to play? So I don't know if that's but they're they're playing they they would be playing online right on the Tokyo. They would service, be playing online, so. but it's like it would still be like so. I mean, maybe it's possible, maybe it's not. I don't uh, know. I don't know. I, um, before we move on from the bracket, I got one question for you. Or did you want to talk about the fusion? No, I still wanted to talk about fusion gladiators as well because yeah. I I think this is the closest game of the of the first round in my opinion. I I don't know who this is going to go towards. Um, I'm I'm really high on the fusion, but also Gladiators looked great just coming off the recent tournament win. So I I'm really excited for that matchup, and I think that's going to be the fusion Gladiators game. In my head, is the opposite of the Dallas Washington game. If Dallas Washington ends up being an ego duel of Winston's, fusion Gladiators, I think, is going to be them trying as much as possible to play the like ball Zen kind of comps. Both of the yeah. teams have been playing quite a lot of that. They have both teams have flexed over to Arissa stuff when it's been required, but I think these are currently our two probably most like meta teams along with Shanghai, where they can play a large range of different comps and sub in whatever they want. But I think t things will trend more towards like ball, and then you have Carpe playing against Kevster, and you have Alarm playing against Shu. Like there's so many amazing uh, kind of mirror matches in this game. I think it's going to be incredible. Yeah, I, I think so too. That that was my initial thought. And then I thought about it for a bit longer. Maybe I'm overthinking it. But Fusion as well, they seem like the kind of team to me that initially would start things off playing like Alarm on Senyara and that kind of composition and then just like pick a King's Row and throw out like an Ariza comp or like a Ryan comp and try to change things up. I think the yeah. Gladders are very happy just relying on their individual skill, um, knowing that they can win the head-to-head -head matchups for the players. But the fusion to me, I, th I think they'll throw in like a few wrenches here and try to take down the gladders by playing like some Rush or Risa even. Yeah, I could see that. I could definitely um, see that. Um, Jonathan, you so, had another point before we moved on? Yeah, I wanted to ask uh, because we'll be covering the bracket more next week for all the listeners, by the way. So we'll be doing like predictions and all that stuff. But I wanted to ask for now anyway, which half of this bracket do you think is the strongest do you think the top half or the bottom half is like the strongest in terms of like the teams because i'm kind of looking at the top half of the bracket like shock dragons fusion gladiators that's a that's a top four teams there while the bottom half is like atlanta justice like you know we'll see what happens with dallas etc so firstly think top half just got on the dragons fusion shock side and glad so yeah I think the Atlanta Reign and Justice are definitely lower than the average the, the top half of the bracket, to be honest. I think it'll be more competitive up up, up the top, match one and two. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, it could be some good games. I think there are still going to be good games in the bottom yeah. half, too. They're definitely going to be bangers. Just, 
the top half looks more stacked. And who knows? Maybe yeah. Fuel, I mean, Fuel's been on a downward trajectory of sorts. So they could kind of implode versus the Justice. That is very possible. They've had a long break as well. Don't exactly know what their form is um, because I essentially count their break for like the beginning of last stage almost. But like, I, I don't know exactly what their form is going to be like either. But, you know, based off previous performances and very similar metas, they should be really good. But, you know, I, top half looks amazing. I think the Fusion Glads ma match in particular, and I and I do believe the Shock Dragons match could go to a could definitely go to a map five. I do believe that. Uh, I'm sensing the Shock Copium. I think the upper half of the bracket is really stacked. I also think that am I right in saying that the loser of match one plays the loser of match two? That's normally how double limb brackets work, right? So it's like no. Sometimes they flip it. I thought they flipped it for the next round. Anyway. If that's the Maybe case, do, yeah. if the shock plays the loser of match two, I could see the shock going out immediately. I think I think that half of the bracket is that good that you could just see your wow. back your back to back defending <laughs> champions just <laughs> just whistling out. We'll do our full preds next time and we'll come to some kind of compromised agreement. But I think this playoff is going to be fucking nutty. The only bad part to me is that unfor the unfortunate circumstances around Pelican. If Pelican was able okay. to play a full peak, this would be. Easily the best playoffs we've ever had. I think it still is going to be the best playoffs we've had. But yeah, I think if Pelican was able to play and you had a, a Atlanta Reign that was all on fire with your Rookie of the Year candidate in that pole position, I think that would have just been absurdly good. And you're correct, by the way. Match one, loser. Match two, loser. And then okay. Oh, yeah. Well, that that's could go out. They could go out then. They could go out in that case. But um, also, that could theoretically it. line up the thing where if dragons were to somehow lose. What Get the fuck out of here! Dragons <laughs> no are not way. going home. I don't, I, don't think, I don't think they're gonna. I don't think they're gonna lose though. I it think would, dragons are the alternate heavy universe. It happens. Dude, I don't think, cool I think the shock gonna... make the run again, man. They're not. They get they're, knocked they're, down. What, they what about their season has made you feel like they're gonna do the run? They, they fucking went over Toronto. Fourth in an A, they had a very strong season, and they feels like they, they figured could, out. You said they could level up. Oh, I personally didn't believe that, but they could I, level up. I think they could. I think I think they figured out their problems plaguing the roster. This is more topics for the next episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll yeah, talk we'll just... about this next time. We'll talk about this next time. Okay, Bren's player of the week. Let's move on to uh, the most important topic of the show, always every week, uh, where in where I must uh, think of a player of the week because I haven't. I uh, thought about the player of the week. Oh, no. Okay. I've got who it is, actually. <laughs> I've got who it is. I've got who it is. Bren's player of the week this week. I spoke to Bren. He told me to uh, nominate this player. It's Assassin. It's got to be Assassin. He's on the fucking redemption tour, man. The guy is popping the fuck off. He looks really good. I'm excited to see a player have a uh, resurgence in terms of his performance. I'm not sure how much deeper in this bracket he's going to be able to go, but I feel at this point in the season, at least he's managed to redeem himself in terms of the eyes of the community. Uh, his sombre play was absolutely nuts in that Houston game. I, I loved seeing it. Yep. I mean, those are some Ooh, bonkers stats. Those nasty stats. 25 I mean, enemies at the at 10. 10 as well. 2.7. Yeah. That's yeah. unreal. Barely ever dying. Very good. Uh, he was, they were bullying Dante as well. Uh, yeah. Assassin was just running around breaking the translocator, and then Fury was just inting at Dante. And Dante's like, well, I guess I'm dead now. Uh, and they were just running that on repeat. It definitely feels like the Washington Justice have been unshackled a little bit in terms of their, their play. Like they can make more plays like that and be more proactive. 
Um, the the other thing that I wanted to give just a shout out to during this Brent's Play of the Week as well is we didn't really spend any period of time talking this week about Seoul, about the, the team that the Fusion eliminated to be able to make it to the playoffs. It's been a consistent year for them, but there isn't that much to really talk about in terms of great performances from them this year. I, a shout out to Profit, I suppose, for being his consistent, stable self and doing relatively well in the playoffs. But I was left with this thought and I wanted to run it past you all. And it's hard for us to comment, I feel, because we're not Korean fans. But if you're 2018, right? League launches, Korean dominance is inevitable within the Overwatch League. You have one Korean franchise, the Seoul Dynasty. In 2018, they have the core of Lunatic High. They're supposed to be the best team in the league. Them against the Dallas Fuel. What an insane matchup. It flops. The Seoul Dynasty flops. They rebuild. It flops again. Fissure's playing main tank and swapping with Marvel. Floppity doodah. Then they sign Gesture and Profit. They make it to the grand finals of 2020. But that's the peak that your franchise has been able to get. I, I suppose I can't really speak from a Korean fan's perspective because I'm not Korean. But it feels incredibly underwhelming to me that... Like, half the league is Korean, and yet our one Korean franchise has not been able to put anything better than, like, Gesture's Hog being able to take them to one grand final. I feel like this this franchise is ripe for a fucking rebuild in Overwatch 2. Oh, well, Arnold uh, announced it, the COO as well, on Twitter. Really? Like, yeah, oh, what did said, he say? Yeah, he yeah. said, there was, he said he, there was going to be an aggressive rebuild. Yeah. Oh, oh, I didn't even now, see that now, shit. Now the job begins for like a prog uh, like a, like an aggressive rebuild uh, ahead of Overwatch 2. Man. I mean, that just fires cool. you up. Hey, I'm just saying, 5v5, it's, you're way more reliant on the DPS. If they still have fits and profit, I'm a believer. Okay, one less tank position to fuck up play rotations with. It's only good for Soul <laughs> Dynasty. So, you know, Animo, incredible disappointment. Sorry, buddy, you just weren't good enough this year. Uh, so I, I, I do think there's some good stuff coming for the Soul Dynasty. Uh, okay. You shake up like the back line, perhaps. Arnold's um, gonna drop the back. Marvel can play off tank part. and main tank, maybe. I, I don't know. I'm just saying. I, I'm looking forward to Soul Dynasty. Did you just say shake up off tank and main tank, mate? There's one tank next year. No, well, I mean, like. No, he oh, said he said the back line. Marvel, Marvel can play can both. Play both. Yeah. Oh, oh, sorry, game right, game. right. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Maybe yeah, you yeah. can't. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> if they're going for an aggressive rebuild, who the fuck knows? They have their pick of the litter. If if you're talking, if they're it willing to drop money, sad. people okay, are going to want to play. Uh, sorry, it would be sad if that's the last time ever we see Gesture in the Overwatch League. Yeah. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of players like that. I mean, this off season is yeah. going to be a time to reminisce about Overwatch One, essentially. And various other different things. 14 more matches in Overwatch 1. Yeah. 14 Damn. more matches in Overwatch that's 1. Crazy. And even, I mean, four, that's probably 14 instances of assault as well. 2 CP. That's a, maybe, maybe even less. I don't know whether all of the games are even going to include it. I'm all right. But that that kind of nostalgia and the rose tinted glasses will be for another episode. I'm sure we'll fill the offseason with that kind of gunk if you're interested in getting all soppy with us. Um, Subscribe to our YouTube channel. We've got more stuff coming out. We'll have another episode next week where we go through the bracket and preview stuff and predict everything that's coming up. And we'll see you for episode 104.